Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. What is up, everybody? How we doing? Good to be back uh, in the saddle. It is fight week for Austin Lane. Football season is underway. SEC Media Days in Birmingham. ACC Media Days coming up later in the week. The Jags report a week from today. It'll be rookies and quarterbacks a week from today. And then we are now about 10 days away from the start of training camp. So let's just say it. In my mind, football season is already here. Uh, They might not hit the field until next Thursday. But preparations are underway here in Jacksonville, Florida, all over the National Football League and in the college football world. Brett Martineau, back on ESPN 690, back in town. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Austin Lane, Coos, good to have the group back together. Big thanks to Stuart Weber for filling in last week. Hope you guys had a good 4th of July and all that. Uh, I am not going to relive my vacation for you, uh, but it was good to, good to get away, but also very good to be back. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. One thing about your vacation, I have a bone to pick with you real quick. Well, I have a couple bones to pick with you. But one thing about your vacation, judged around here, one thing about your vacation though, man, can you talk about the flyover? Uh, that was kind of like on your anniversary yeah. because you made every other husband that's, out there that's my goal. look really bad. Is really, yeah, yeah, I have a lot of guys that hate me now. But that, yeah, that really wasn't Including anything me. new. No, I guess the ladies like me. Uh, of course, of course. But can you go into that a little bit? What happened? Well, what, so what transpired? It it uh, it kind of came up uh, pretty quick. We're if you go back 21 years, actually on Friday, um, I was a, going into my senior year of college. Yeah. Kind of knew, all right, something's going to happen here. We're going to start moving all around because of what I was, the business I was about to get into. So I proposed to Steph and my, I was thinking of a diff, crazy ways to do it. Sure. You know, I'm sure it goes through people like, how are you going to do it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we thought of a lot of different things. Uh, it, like my parents live kind of near a farm. They had kind of have a, a little bit of acreage too. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually going to try to put gasoline. In the will you marry me and light it on fire and like take some kind of like flight over it like I yeah. mean I thought of everything but, but, but you're talking forest fires and, and stuff like, you, yeah you I don't mean wanna... that's a long yeah. thing right yeah so uh, that didn't work and then I was gonna do like maybe like a, a Christmas time with Christmas lights kind of put it all uh, so I was thinking of all these different things bottom line is I love Newport. Rhode Island. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, the Cliff Walk uh, is just it's like miles and miles near the mansions uh, in in Newport, right on the ocean. And so we decided to uh, get a, a plane to go over and said, will you marry me? So that was 21 years ago. Well, you know, it's our 20th anniversary coming up. Yeah. And I had thought a bunch of different things again, what to do and haven't really. It's just not working. It's really hard because our anniversary is July 31st. So it's right in the middle of football. Sure. So you got to kind of celebrate it throughout the year or some other time. And uh, there's just a lot going on. So anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know what? Let's just rekindle the plane. Yeah. See if it's still flying. Recreate it. I like it. And uh, and what I thought it would be cool because the kids could now see it. And so of course. I thought that would be kind of fun. Um, so we did it. I mean, there's this guy like in West. Now, it was a different guy. The other place is out of business. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the rates were a lot cheaper two decades ago. <laughs> I bet. Let's just say that. <laughs> but this guy was cool, man. He was awesome. And so we had a beautiful day. We did it. And and I uh, just said a happy uh, 20th anniversary on the yeah. plane. So it was it was pretty cool. It was fun. Yeah. So that's how it came about. That's my uh, engagement done. and now 20th anniversary story. Do I have to do anything else like on July 31st? Is that done now? Am I okay? Uh, dude, Am you're I asking the wrong guy, man. I'm about two years deep right now in this whole <laughs> wedding thing. So you're asking the wrong dude there. But like I said... You set the bar high, Mr. Martino, yeah. and uh, the pressure is definitely on everybody else now. Yeah, do it your own fun little way. It, sure. It'll be good. But yeah. uh, I guess now I just have to wait till like, the next big one after 20, mm-hmm. I don't know what, uh, it's probably like 50. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe 25. 25 is a number, but I'm not doing the plane at 25. So, Steph, <laughs> if you're listening, you're not doing the plane. Uh, but 50, I said, to set, like, this area is like 40 steps down. Okay. And actually, you know, it's cliff walk. Mm-hmm. It's what it's called. And people, a lot of people have died there because people are stupid. Yeah, yeah, of course. Or the rocks are slippery, but probably because people are stupid. Yep. Whether they've had alcohol or just party yeah. or think they're, you know, uh, evil can evil, sure. whatever it might be. Yeah. But there are 40 steps to get down toward the water. Okay. And when I proposed to Steph uh, 21 years ago, mm-hmm. we went all the way down. Uh, to the rock, like right on the water, and I actually thought, like, I was, I was so nervous I was going to drop the ring <laughs> in the ocean, and then it was over. Yeah, that was game over. Yeah. Find it. yeah. Uh, but so I was saying to Seth, I was like, well, if we do this at 50 years, yeah. they might need an elevator to get well, us down there. Here's the thing with uh, so say you guys do 50 years, Brent, and just bear with me here. I mean, assuming ESPN 690 is still going strong, yes. we're the top radio show in the entire country. I've got a tattoo Stealth or two. bomber, stealth bomber is gonna is gonna have the banner uh, fly across, kind of like an NFL That's flyover. That's a good idea. Might have to get like Mayport involved. Yeah, there Forget we go. About going to yeah. Newport. We're getting Blue Mayport Angels, involved. man. We'll, we'll buy them out for the whole day. That's yeah. right. Let's do it. Uh, all right. Enough about that. Uh, but it was fun. Hey. Football though, do you feel it? You're a yeah. guy that this. You're, see, we have a mental clock. Fans do, people do in general, right? I mean, you wake up in the morning, and if you go to work every day at seven thirty, you wake up at six thirty without an alarm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, for me, it's like at six twenty or six fifty or ten fifty or eleven twenty when I go on TV. Like I know when it's six fifty mm-hmm. and eleven twenty. My body knows. I don't have to look at a watch. You know, it's like you know it's almost time. Well, for players and for fans, it's like. It's almost time. Yeah. Like there are just things that happen where you know football. And I'm not one of these guys that says, "Hey, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait." No, mm-hmm. I, there's too much work to be done to say I can't wait and you yeah. enjoy the downtime. But I gotta believe for players, their mental clock is starting to tick. The vacation's yeah. about over, and you're like, "Shoot, I feel like three pounds overweight. I better stop <laughs> eating and drinking beer or whatever it is." You know, it, it's funny because, and this is me speaking from a player's perspective, but I think a lot of guys that I shared the locker room with share this exact same opinion. You're excited for the season. You're excited to play in the games, and you know, and and you're excited because you're playing the game that you love. But at the same time, it's almost like that feeling when you're a kid and like school's two days away, and like you have to be ready to go back from you know, like s- summer's over and school's starting up again. Like you know, it's going to be a grind. You know, there's training camp. You know, it's going to be hot. You know, it's going to be sweaty, and you know, it's going to be very mundane because the first couple weeks are just training. So you almost kind of have this queasy feeling in your stomach a little bit as like, oh, this break went by way too fast and now I have to adjust and get my body ready uh, for training camp. And I remember, and once again, I, I talked to a few players who can share this story as well, but it's, uh, you have to change like your sleep schedule around because usually, especially me, in the off season, you know, maybe uh, you're on vacation, so you're staying up a little later and things like that. Well, by the time training camp comes around, you got you got to get back to your P's and Q's. You have to get your eight hours of sleep and everything. So I'll never forget. Usually, like the first night of training camp, 
guys can't go to sleep because their, their sleep schedules are kind of thrown off yeah, whack. That so makes sense. yeah, but uh, but eventually you can adjust again. But it's usually like the first day or second day of training camp. Um, you see guys tired and everything because they haven't adjusted yet. It's just the opposite for me. I just slept more in the last two weeks and I sure. slept the rest of the year. <laughs> I imagine, <laughs> you know man. I, mean? I imagine. It's just, uh, it, it, no doubt, it's so different. Yeah. But you know, I'm a little surprised. We don't get more cases like Derek Morgan, that Derek Morgan retiring mm-hmm. right about now. Yeah. Or right before camp because you'd be like, all right, I love playing football, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do this again for the next seven months. No, of you course. Know I mean, it's yeah. really, this is where the test of how much you still love to play the game. Yeah. And I do think some players do that and say that, say, all right, let me get to near training camp mm-hmm. and figure out if I still want to do this grind. Is the blood boiling? Yeah. Is the passion still there? And that's something you can say in January. You can say it in March. You can do it in OTAs even in that training. But when you know that's on the horizon and you're about to say, see you later to the family, your body's about to take a beating, you're now 35 years old, not 28 years old, whatever it might be. Uh, I can, I, I'm a little surprised more guys don't at this time. Now you screw the team a little bit potentially, mm-hmm. but I just, guys have done it. But I'm just surprised more don't at this age, especially the veterans. You're absolutely right. Speaking of the veterans, you know, I mean, you think of, after the season, you know, and if you're a veteran, you're kind of on the fence if you want to retire or not. Well, usually after the season, you only remember your last game, right? So more than likely, your last game was a loss. Either um, you didn't go to the playoffs, or maybe it was a win, but I'm saying then you didn't go to the playoffs. But if you go to the playoffs, then you get beat. So there's still some of that hunger left over because you want a Super Bowl. You know, you want to go on top. So when the season's over, I feel like I've had a lot of veterans um, know that, you know, they're coming back. And then all of a sudden when you start getting down towards the July and everything, the mid-July, and you kind of amping back up now and you realize that for the next four or five weeks, you're going to spend more time with the guys with the guys in that stadium, with your coaches, with the players, than you will with your own family. And that can be hard. So that makes walking away, I think, a little easier when you start talking about the start of training camp and everything. So I, I do agree with you. I'm surprised more guys don't come out and say, you know what, uh, I'm just going to call it a career. Although I think that with the new C, well, with the old CBA, the new one coming up pretty soon, but I think with the CBA too, um, it is more player friendly. You know, it's not real two a days yeah. anymore where guys were just dreading those two a days. Um, so I think from that perspective as well, it makes things maybe a little easier. Yeah, it sounds like talks for a new CBA are going uh, better, or at least they've started. Let's just say yeah. they start. I think it's a long way away, but at least the idea of that is well ahead of schedule mm-hmm. uh, where they need to be, which is smart on both sides. Uh, fight for the Fallen on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on it. But uh, overall, pretty good show at Daly's Place. It was a fantastic show. Uh, it was warm, though. I'm going to be honest, man. Yeah. And I well, was wondering. In yeah, well, and we have some <laughs> comments coming up later from Chris Jericho kind of talking about the heat a little bit. And I was curious to see how that setup was going to be, how, how that venue was going to be with Looked wrestling. Cool. Because it, you're used to concerts, you know. And I was curious to see how the wrestling was going to be. And we have an interview, too, a little clip from Tony Khan, who actually credits South Park, uh, the TV show I South Park, as an, as an inspiration of uh, how he set up the venue. So we have that later to come on the show it's pretty crazy man but overall another very successful event and we'll get into that a little bit later yeah we'll hear from tony Khan a little yeah. bit about the venture about where they go now because it's a start it's about to ramp up very yes it definitely wrestling is. uh i saw you did some tv stuff uh oh, yeah. wrestling the fan reaction was really good <laughs> yeah about yeah. this event once again so your thoughts you're always welcome to jump in too wrestling fans you know we'll talk about a little bit what do you think of fight for the fallen at daily's place star star 690 what do you think about all elite wrestling uh right now 
we'll get into it. But coming up next, to start off the show, SEC Media Days, Florida Gators on the podium, Dan Mullen just speaking uh, within the last hour. So we'll get some of the headlines from not only the Gators, but from the SEC, because Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, making some headlines as well about future dates of SEC Media Days and some other things that are happening in uh, the most successful conference in college football. Good to be back here on a Monday. Thanks for hanging with us. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we're going to get into Austin's got a fight this week. So uh, how is he doing prepping for that thing on Saturday in Tallahassee? Uh, college football talk, a uh, big topic today because of SEC Media Days uh, taking place in Birmingham. And uh, they will not stay in Birmingham next year or the year after. So an update on that. Dan Mullen on the podium, what he has to say. Of course, Felipe Franks there in Birmingham as well with a couple of other players. Uh, Franks, a big year ahead. How, What kind of step can he take? And I thought Mullen said something really interesting. And I want to get Austin's take on it. But he might be dead on the money Almost as ridiculous as it sounded. So that's coming up uh, in just a moment. Right now, I did ask before the break, we're talking a little bit about Fight for the Fallen. So throughout the show, uh, Star Star 690, the number, if you want to jump in, if you were there at the show, what did you think of the show? Uh, So we'll bop in and out of uh, some some wrestling talk from Saturday night with Tony Khan's Venture All Elite Wrestling. And by the way, a check for $150,000 to charity. So that was a big part of the event. That wasn't a money-making event for All Elite Wrestling. Smart move on so many fronts uh, by Tony Khan. I think, uh, in, in this venture. Uh, Mike's on the phone right now. Submarine Mike, uh, were you there Saturday night, man? Oh, I was, man. There's not a bad scene in that place. It was such a great show, some great storytelling, and um, it was pretty amazing. I went to the uh, Grill and JR Friday the night before the show, and uh, by the way, it was Joey Janela and then SCU showed up, Austin. Oh, for the, the way. for the su- surprise guests for Grill and JR. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I was wrong so that, with my uh, conspiracy theory. And you guys had him on the other last yeah, week, right? Yeah, we yeah. did, yes. Yep. So that's so that good, was, I mean, but the show was amazing, and Extreme Rules was really good, too. Uh, but uh, also, uh, I want to know, you know, what you think. They make Hangman Page look kind of weak with the way they attack, you know, uh, Chris Jericho attacked him. And what did you think of uh, WWE trying to shove Brock Lesnar down our throat even more? It makes me want to turn it off, just to be honest with you. Sure. Hey, Mike, thanks for the call, man. Yeah, so getting back to to the card for uh, we'll start with fight for the fallen first because that was on Saturday. Extreme Rules is on Sunday, which I obviously watched as well. So making Hangman Page look a little weak. Um, listen, I don't think he looked weak out of that. And if you listen to some of the interviews and some of the audio that I got from Chris Jericho, and if you watch the the event that fight for the fallen, Chris Jericho has done something differently that he hasn't really done with this character in a long time, especially playing the heel. Chris Jericho is usually the guy to bad mouth uh, his opponent, especially going into a championship match he, he's, he's trying to you know cheap shot him things like that and yes chris jericho attacked hangman page but you know what else chris jericho did he gave hangman page respect and that's something that chris jericho hasn't always done so i think from that standpoint is hangman page is definitely the young guy um he's still fairly unknown to maybe the casual wrestling fan but they're building him the right way with chris jericho even promoting him so from that perspective I don't think Hangman Page looked weak. A week. Um, I think he's going to have a great show in Chicago, and I don't think he's going to win necessarily against Jericho because I think Jericho is the biggest name right now. Um, I still feel like Jericho did a good job of getting Hangman Page over. And quick to extreme rules. Um, 
I think Extreme Rules overall was pleasantly surprising. I thought it was a fantastic card. Um, we've talked about it on the show before where Paul Heyman is kind of taking over now a little bit, and you could kind of see where he had his fingerprint on some of those matches, especially the Braun Strowman-Lashley match. I thought it was a great one. But, yeah, towards the end, Brock Lesnar showing up, nobody wants that. You know, WWE's been stressing they're going to give the fans what they want, and nobody wants to see Brock Lesnar retain with the championship. I'm interested to see if he actually loses it back tonight to Seth Rollins, but I agree with Submarine uh, Mike there where nobody wanted to see Brock Lesnar win. It, right. was, it, it was kind of a it was a bad bow on a, on a good night. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're, and we have some plenty of reaction from Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, with All Elite Wrestling. You got a bunch of interviews and they're on our our YouTube page. Yeah. Uh, Action Sports Shack's YouTube page. Are they on Facebook as well uh, or just YouTube? I think they're just on YouTube just right on now. YouTube yeah. right now? Okay, that's good. Yep. So yep. YouTube, Action Sports Shacks, of yeah. course, that's where you can listen to the show as well, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch, and on Twitter and Periscope, of course. Uh, back to some of the wrestling stuff. Again, we'll, we'll go back in and out of that, because I have a couple questions for you, too, sure. um, uh, in regards to this specific event uh, and, and moving forward with AEW as they get ready for uh, a big spot in the fall. But let's get to some football let's do it. now in the Florida Gators. Yeah. Dan Mullen said today, just a little bit ago, he said, going from four wins to ten wins last year is easier than going from ten wins to eleven wins this year. And you know what? It sounds ludicrous, right? It sounds Especially in the SEC. Yeah, it sounds a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he might not be wrong. Okay. Getting that eleventh win, you know, remember this isn't a sixteen game season we're talking yeah. about. This is this is a shorter season. And Four wins for a team like Florida is so out of the realm. You know, it's just not what it is. Um, it's not what they are. And so I think uh, I think he might have a point, a good point. I'm not sure if it's exact. <laughs> if you put the numbers on it, I don't think – I think four to ten, or that's pretty darn good. Yeah. But um, I kind of get what he's saying, you know, because what happens – think about what happened here in Jacksonville a couple years ago. Right? They went from nothing – to almost the pinnacle, you know, mm-hmm. it was like a worst to first kind of thing, almost, and that was an incredible climb in one year because they got it rolling. Well, you come back the next year and trying to make that next and last step up the mountain. Well, look what happened, right? And now, how long will it take them to take that? There's so many teams that that dance with the the championship game or mm-hmm. maybe the Elite Eight somewhere and then get into that next stage and then two notches up is just uh, impossible to do. So I kind of understand what he's saying. That's what, what the Gators are tasked with. Keep in mind, they have Felipe Franks back. They know Mullen now. They know what to expect. They've also had, you know, it's a weird deal in Gainesville. They've had a lot of momentum at times, and it seems like that momentum has been squashed at times. The transfer portal, they've been hit pretty hard. Uh, you know, recruiting has been up and down, and the, you know, people have talked about it. Um, bad, good, all these different things. Mullen had so many good things going for him. Uh, and, and now I kind of feel a little confused about the Gators going into 2019, quite honestly. Felipe Franks, how good can he be? Did they get the most of Felipe Franks? 
or is this a guy on the rise? Uh, their offensive line has a ton of question marks. Their skill positions are fantastic. Uh, and their defense, you always know, is going to be good. I don't know if it'll be great, but it will be good. So, But if you don't have an offensive line in football, it's hard to predict 10 wins, 11 wins. I think the over-under on Florida right now is 9. And when you're talking about not having an offensive line, I mean, that's directly correlated to the quarterback. If, you're, if your offensive line can't block, can't block for your quarterback, it doesn't matter who's back there throwing the ball. Florida's me is intriguing, and I think the SEC this year is kind of built the same way in the East and in the West. Georgia's obviously the top dog of the East. I, I think Georgia's going to be the team to beat, just like Alabama's going to be the team to beat in the West. And then I think right underneath them, you have Florida in the East and LSU uh, in the West. Yeah. Now, Mullen's saying that it's easier to to go from, you know, I guess, what do you say, forward gate forward? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at Florida last year, you know, they they kind of got crushed by Kentucky. And then they also get beat by Missouri, and they got crushed by. I mean, we're talking thirty-eight to seventeen against Missouri. That's a that's a crushing um, from an They've opponent. Had troubles with Missouri. From, well, from an opponent who didn't really fare that well in the conference. So I think if you you know if you win one of those games, well then look at you're right in the hunt. But but, but again, uh, can you hang with Georgia? Can you hang with Alabama? Those are the two biggest questions. Um, top to bottom, I mean, I'd much rather be playing in the East right now than in the West because I think A&M could be a little promising. And like I said before, I think LSU is intriguing. And and also, like, you got a team like Ole Miss where, listen, the, the story of SEC Media Day isn't a, a new coach in the conference. There's not one new head coach in the Which conference. Which is crazy, Which is, isn't it? It's insane. Um, honestly, I think the biggest news with, with the coaching carousel with offensive coordinators would be Rich Rodriguez going to Ole Miss. You know, that that's a guy who um, was with West Virginia, goes to Michigan, has some success there, and then goes to Arizona. Arizona yeah. And uh, I don't know what happened to Arizona, man. I, I really don't because they had that kid that was supposed to be like the, uh, the Heisman candidate, um, and his name escapes me right now. I apologize. Um, uh Khalil Tate. Got Tate. it. Yeah, Khalil Tate. And he just falls off the face of the earth. I have no idea what, what he's doing now. And, you know, Rodriguez goes to Ole Miss, too. So that, that's, that's a storyline that's interesting to me from the coaching standpoint. But I think uh, when you're looking for storylines, it's all about Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, the, no doubt. The hands-down favorites in each division. Yeah. E- each division. And, uh, and, and really, you know, Florida will likely finish second. In the East, you know, I mean, unless they can take that next step and Georgia falls back a little bit, I still think the back is uh, the gap is significant between Georgia and Florida. I really do. Uh, has it closed from two years ago? Well, yeah, because it was a gaping hole. I mean, it was unbelievable. It should never be like that, really. And, and both sides have experienced it, but it was massive. Well, I don't think it's that big, but I don't think it's as close as a lot of Gator fans think either. Uh, I think it's still pretty wide. And I'll take Jake Fromm over Felipe Franks any day of the week. And quite frankly, I'll take what Kirby Smart's been recruiting over even what Dan Mullen's been recruiting. So uh, I, I think listen, Georgia has some questions. It's not a foregone conclusion. It always feels like a foregone conclusion. Alabama's going to get it done. Yeah. But uh, the rest of the East is just whatever. Throw them in a hat. You know, throw them up. Who knows? Who knows where Tennessee is going to go? Will there be a surprise team? And as we get closer to the season, I think that will be fun to look at. Like, will there be a surprise team in the SEC, uh, especially in the East, to contend with a Georgia and maybe poke a hole in Florida's game a little bit? Again, Missouri's been a bit of a bugaboo for them. Yeah. And then also Alabama as well. Like, I get it. Alabama's the favorite, but... The last thing I remember about Alabama is they got curb stomped by Clemson. Yeah. So so how is Nick Saban going to respond? How is that team going to respond from literally getting embarrassed in the national championship game last year? Yeah, more from the SEC. Some of the headlines coming out of there, including an interesting one on officiating. Now that's coming up next on ESPN 690.
All right, tell us about the fight coming up on Saturday. Fight for the fall and last Saturday, yeah. which we'll talk more about and get into. And again, welcome your thoughts. If you went, Star Star 690, uh, you want to share some thoughts on that, uh, feel free to do so. But uh, your fight, Saturday in Tallahassee, uh, Taper Week is on for you. Taper Week is on. Which is always a good week. Well, it's fantastic for me because I'm a heavyweight, so I don't have to cut any weight. You yeah. know, the, the, there's a lot of guys from our gym that are envious right now because most of them will be starting to the, the process of cutting weight and losing some pounds by, you know, basically starving themselves. And me, it's the exact opposite. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm getting all the carbs that I can handle right now. Okay. <laughs> so what's, how's your training, Ben? What yeah. do you know? Like, do you feel something? I mean, is this like a game week where you kind of know, hey, I'm, I'm feeling as good as I felt. I'm feeling right. Uh, yeah. Do you have some doubts about whatever? Yeah. I mean, how's it, how's it work mentally yeah. for you? Because I'm assuming you got to try to erase as many doubts as possible. Yeah, the, there there is zero room for doubts in this business of, of, of fighting. Um, if you have doubts when you walk in that cage, if you walk in a ring, um, I think you do yourself and your team a disservice because then you don't belong in there. So as far as doubts are concerned, uh, I honestly have none. And th- that comes from the hard work that I put in. You know, there's some guys out there that are blessed where maybe they don't have to put 110% in everything and they can go in the cage and perform well. I'm not one of those guys because I know if I walk in the cage and all of a sudden I'm like, man, I wish I would have worked a little harder on those sprints. I would have worked a little harder on the heavy bag. If I do that, then I'm just talking myself out of the fight. So from that perspective, I've done everything that I needed to do um, physically. And now comes like the mental part. So now it's just about visualizing, um, going over the game plan, which obviously I can't talk about <laughs> on the radio. But uh, it's going over the game plan and just basically seeing the fight happen in my head, you know. And um, it's one of those things as well where you can game plan all you want, you know. I mean, we, we have seen seen film on my opponent, Cam Graham. Uh, there's only about four or five fights of him out there. And you can go off what he does in those those fights, but you have to expect that you're getting the best opponent possible. You have to expect that he's upped his game as well, just like I've upped my game. So at the same time, you plan for this guy, and you see what he does really well, what he lacks, and you want to expose that, but at the same time, you have to be ready in case he throws a curveball at you. Maybe he has been working on something that we weren't expecting, and that's all about freestyling. So it, it's kind of like a chess match. Uh, it's kind of like mental gymnastics, basically, yeah. with how you approach it. But, um, you know, this is my first rodeo. I think this is going to be my 14th or 15th fight now that wow. I've had as an amateur and a pro, so um, I know what to expect, and, and my headspace is in a, is an awesome spot right that's, now. That's good, man. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll be uh, talking more about it as the week goes along. Uh, do you know, by the way, from a mental gymnastics standpoint, sure. the curveball, if it's coming 60 seconds into a fight, if he's, figure, he, he's throwing something different in there, yeah. um, or might it take Three minutes. I mean, if you've got yeah. something, you're not going to wait very long because you never know how long these matches go. Exactly. Right? Yeah, especially at heavyweight, too, because at heavyweight, all it takes is one shot and it's game over. So usually if if he, if he has a different game plan, you're going to find out about it in the first 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I've been watching film on him, so I know what to expect. If I notice something's different, then I'm going to adjust from there. That's when I'd coos. I'd call timeout. Like, oh, timeout. <laughs> Psych. Time I got you. Yeah. we got to go back to the, rim, uh, to, to, the, to the corner here. Let's go back to the drawing board real quick. <laughs> That'd be awesome, like in, in MMA, if you could call a timeout. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and, uh, you can't, right? You can't well, do anything no, like no, that. Well, you, you get a timeout, like if, if you, you have, like, yeah. injury. If there's an injury, if you get eye gouge, if you yeah. get hit in the groin that area, if you lose your, your mouse fight. guard. What's that? That happened at your last fight, right? Yeah, well, and so you're not, well, 
it's kind of up for discretion, and this is, goes back to refing. But uh, my last fight, I, I need the guy, which I thought was like the, the stomach, and he kind of keeled over. Well, he said he got hit in the groin region, yeah. so the ref gave him a break. Um, so there's always that. But it's funny. The the last fight I was at, an amateur fight, I was cornering a guy, and um, his name's Fat. Well, his nickname's Fat, and Fat won. But his uh, the, his opponent in his corner, there's a lot of frustration because I could hear him screaming after the fight. He's like, that's not what we worked at. He did, he did a bunch of stuff we weren't even expecting. Like, <laughs> and so like his opponent was screaming at his coaches. Um, so, you know, I mean, that, that's always cool to see when it's your guy that's doing well. But, yeah, so sometimes there's uh, the game plan doesn't go according to plan. Yeah, that makes, uh, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, that's it, sports, it happens right? in every sport. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It makes, makes a lot of sense. Uh, so Saturday, Tallahassee. Yes. Cam Graham. Yep. Uh, and how could... I mean, people can go watch, obviously. Yeah, people can go watch. Um, it's a road game. It is a road game. I, I believe it's going to be streaming as well. It's going to be like a pay-per-view. Uh, they haven't posted the link yet, but I'm sure they're going to do that either Thursday or Friday. And if I get that link, I'll share that on my Twitter page or my, my, my Facebook fan page. I'll be sure to share that out so people can watch at home as well. Yeah, we got to pump this up. And by the way, we, we have slacked a little bit. We haven't got the ESPN 690 shorts ready. Uh, yeah, for sure, man. Like, if we can we put our logo, logo and dude, you could be on your means. butt cheeks. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I be on your left butt cheek. <laughs> You're talking about the, the logo with like your face yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. You can make that. You can make that work. Speaking of the logo, what do we get in the car? Uh, the, the, the car wrapped. We got to see the car before I believe the car. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's how this works. Sure. Uh, let's get back to some uh, football talk. SEC Media Days. By the way, SEC Media Days back in Birmingham. Last year they were in Atlanta. I was there last year in Atlanta. And I do like the Atlanta side. I've never been to the Birmingham side. A lot of people love the Birmingham uh, because it's tradition. Well, now it's become a traveling roadshow. So one of the headlines, just much like the draft, right, they figured out the SEC is big. The SEC makes a lot of money. The SEC wants to travel. So they'll go back to Atlanta next year, which I thought was a, a good move. Mm-hmm. College Football Hall of Fame right next to it. And then the following year to Nashville, they saw what the draft did in Nashville, I guess, said, hey, let's see if we can beef this thing up a little bit. I'll be interested to see the SEC in Nashville. I mean, Vanderbilt's right there. It's their backyard. Nashville's Nashville. But I, I'm, it's not really like – I. I don't know. I just don't think Nashville and say, wow, SEC country. You know, I well, mean, you do in Birmingham. Vanderbilt, with all due respect to Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of college football fans there. And, no, and I also there, that part. there are a lot of transplants yeah. in Nashville, too, now. And it's not far from a lot of places to get to uh, that, that play in the SEC. Not not too far. So it's still in the region. But, man, it's right on the edge of that region, too. I mean, <laughs> Southeast Conference, that is about that's about as north as you're going to go. Yeah. So uh, where this thing ends up. Down the road will be very interesting. Uh, I I do believe I think Jackson like a place like again Daly's place or something. I think you could set it up where it would be a pretty cool venue for it uh, down the road. So we'll see. Uh, maybe SEC Media Days comes to Jackson. Well, that was one of the storylines though uh, of the day today. Greg Sankey, the commissioner, talking to kind of kick things off. Uh, obviously, the SEC ton of success. I don't need to tell you about that uh, with all the the championships they've won, uh, not just in football but across the board, and they make a ton of money. Last year when I was at SEC Media Days, I learned a little bit more about SEC Network. And the SEC network, I didn't realize it was so international. Mm-hmm. It's big, obviously, in the States, but it's international. They, they are in a ton of different countries and just, just 
printing money uh, <laughs> is the SEC, especially because the SEC network, ACC network starts up this year. That will launch in about another month. ACC Media Day is coming up uh, in uh, in a couple of days. So we'll uh, talk about Florida State, Miami, and everybody else. But the Gators obviously kick off against uh, Miami in Orlando and kick off the college football season because of the celebration of the 150th season in college football. They actually moved that game up. It was supposed to be August 31st. It'll be August 24th. Uh, against Miami in Orlando, so it's a good way to start the year. One other thing I thought was kind of interesting about uh, Commissioner uh, Greg Sankey's comments, always officiating, right? Uh, you know, I think the dumbest rule in, sport, in college football is the targeting ejection. It's not the targeting safety penalty, all that stuff that goes around it. It's yeah. the ejection part, yeah. and I think it's a crime that these guys get ejected. I do think it's more, they're just trying to suck this up and say, we were trying to teach you this is the way to do it, mm-hmm. right? It's like punishing your kids, even though it seems silly, like that's the punishment. Like, yeah. really? They got, they got a, they're grounded for a week yeah. for that? Yeah. Well, it's like you're trying to send a message. And I do think the SEC has continually tried to send a message, uh, college football, not just the SEC, but college football, about this targeting. I just hate the automatic that, that most got Ooh. the ejection to get out of there. Um, and it's not really automatic, but st- too many guys get ejected when it's – when it's at the targeting. Exactly. And you mentioned it's like punishing your kids. It's like it's like punishing your kids if they spilt their sippy cup. You know, it's going to happen. They're kids. You know, that's what kids do. Well, football players are going to hit. You know, when, when the game's on the line and a, and a ball goes over the middle, I mean, yeah, I understand you're trying to make the game safer, but this is football at the end of the day. And then the fact that if it's in the second half, then that player can be ejected for that half and then the first half of the next game. It's crazy to me. It's I mean, unbelievable. I mean, how can you... That ju- can bridge a year, by the I way. I was going to say, how season. can you justify sitting somebody for that second half of the game and then also the next game when that game has zero... When the next game has zero correlation to the game prior? So it's just... Uh, it's wild to me. I understand what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to make examples of, you know, we got to protect our players. CTE, you know, it's very prevalent. And I understand that. And I can appreciate that. But there's a, there's a fine line between protecting the players and just... You know, kind of just ruining the game, and I think when when these targeting fouls, because listen, a 15 yard penalty, whatever the penalty is, that's a big game changer as well. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, yeah, make it 20, yeah. So then make it 20 yards or 25, whatever you want to do. I mean, you can do that. But the ejection, man, um, I feel like they got to take a look at that a little longer. And how about this? This will show you how prevalent officiating is in everybody's minds. In the SEC, it's a big deal. It was a big deal last year on a lot of different fronts. Well, they now have their own website, secsports.com slash officiating, and a Twitter account. <laughs> I mean, officiating yeah. has their own Twitter account and website. They're trying to straighten all the rules out. and Have fun on that Twitter account, oh man. Oh, my gosh. Don't go I, in the mentions. We, we need a segment every week after every Monday. The mentions on SEC oh, officiating's Twitter account. Don't dip your toes in the mentions. How about a little balling and falling next on ESPN 690? What if the NFL had an uh, officiating like uh, message board? I mean, they kind of do. It's called Twitter. It is called Twitter. But I'm just saying, like, do they, I don't think the NFL – well, maybe NFL officials do have a Twitter account. But I don't think they go they, back and forth. No, Imagine I, if, like, I, why you would you go back and I, forth? I guess the, what I'm saying – I don't think the SEC will be used this way. Yeah. Going back and forth yeah. with each other. I mean, with with the audience. But they're going to get it. Like the mentions are going See, to be re- like a real and, and and you almost don't even need a. As I'm talking about, you really don't even need an official account because you're always going to have officiating 
topics that play out on social media. I mean, people are going to complain about it. It's part of the fun of it, right? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. No one's going to go on the SEC ref account or if there is an NFL one and be like, you guys did a fantastic job during this game. You guys are really on your, your P's and Q's. We're Nice job. A good game. No. No one in their right mind is going to go out of their way to congratulate or give props to any kind of refing um, group. So it's going to be a lot of hate because that's the thing to do on social media, and it's going to be an abundancy of it. So... I don't see the point personally, but more power to him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I do have a social media a question. What do you got? All of a sudden, Kuz may know this answer. Oh, so it must but be sometime in the last, like, two weeks, when I send a tweet, it now says your tweet is sent. I think it was an update. Because I, I, I get it, too. Wa- I, why do I need that? I don't need a notification. <laughs> See, it's just, I, it's just a actually, but there's actually times where like I've scheduled something or tried to put something out for like the ESPN page and like hit send, but then like if you're not connected to the internet or it doesn't go through, it'll say, you know, tweet was not sent. Do you want to try again? And in the past, it wouldn't give me that, and I would just be like, all right, it's out there. And then you know, our boss is like, yo, why didn't you yeah, put yeah. this up? And well, then. I want. I send so many freaking tweets <laughs> that I just want to know if one doesn't get sent. Just send. Okay. Tell me. I don't need to know <laughs> when there is one that gets sent. <laughs> here's the problem I'm having, and I'm not sure if you guys have the same problem on Twitter. But like my mentions, it doesn't update me when something comes through now. Like if someone with like likes one of my posts or comments on it, it, does, it doesn't tell me. It, you don't know. Yeah, you have it, to it kind of go know. in and find it. I have it. to go in and find it. Yeah. So huh. that's kind of uh, throwing me for a little bit of a curveball. Updates. But it updates what it is. happen, and oh, I, you I know. Really, yeah. All of a sudden, something works different. Like, yeah. What, well, yeah, and like, what did you know, I do? I'm sure in a month, in like a week or so, to be like Twitter update complete, and then we'll <laughs> we'll be good. So it is what it is. All right, hey, let's do uh, some balling and falling. Sure. Um, with a lot of stuff happening on the weekend. Yeah, a lot of good uh, little tidbits you know, here. I'm not going to get it. We're going to talk some baseball in this segment because some of it has to do with that. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to. Me- did you see the Tyler Skaggs? Stuff from the weekend. Uh, the the Angels pitcher who passed away. Yeah. But then they throw the no-hitter on Friday night. Did you see all – that scene was incredible on yeah. Friday night with the jerseys around the mound. And then you, you you see all the stats on it. Well, and I'm glad you brought it up because I have them right here, actually. I was going to talk about it. Yeah. So um, Tyler Skaggs, everybody doesn't know, um, he was a pitcher that passed away in his sleep. Um, this happened before the All-Star break, but this is actually their still first... Still trying to figure out why. Still trying to figure out what happened. Being done. Yeah. Um, and it was also after the All-Star break now, and it's their first game back at home um, since the passing of Tyler Skaggs. Um, so he was number 45. Uh, Mike Trout, that game, hit uh, a, a home run 454 feet. Um, a ball in the fourth, uh, I'm sorry, a ball, so ball four in the fifth inning gave up the perfect game because it was a no hitter. Yeah. Um, Tyler Skaggs' birthday is 713, July 13th. Um, the Angels scored seven runs in the first and 13 total. And, uh, the last time that there was a combined no hitter. This one's crazy. Yeah. In California was 71391. And guess what? That was Tyler Skaggs' birthday. That's when he was born. That's when he was born. Was the last time there was a combined no hitter in the state of California. I mean, listen, you can it's make just numbers do a lot of things. No, you can. Like the 454 foot one. All right. It might be a stretch, but I'll be honest with you. When I saw the home run and they said that distance, it was the first thing I thought about was the number 45. Yeah. 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 So whether you're like, okay, that's a stretch or not, I'm just telling you, my brain said, Interesting. Wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then, but the one about 1991, yeah. and that one they dug up later. That was not, 
someone dug that up like a day or two later. Yeah. So they had, you know, CBS Sports or someone else had done a lot of those other numbers. Mm-hmm. And I actually hadn't heard the ball four in the fifth inning. Yeah. Yep. But uh, when they did the one about 1991, that's the day he was born. I was like, my goodness, that yeah. is crazy. Outside of that, the scene was really, oh, I don't, was... you know, it's hard to say anything's a like a cool scene. I mean, the guy died. Yeah. I mean, that's why the scene is what it is. But it was still pretty special. I mean, so poignant. I mean, that there wasn't a lot going on Friday night either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of that time of year. And it, it became the story, which was really, uh, I, I just thought it was a neat thing. It was, it was, again, the Angels don't get a lot of publicity. No. They got a ton of publicity over the weekend for that. So that's not my ball, and no. although it probably should be. There's a lot of stuff from the weekend that could be. And that's kind of how I thought about it, too. And just what a scene after the game when they all put his jersey. Like, so all the pitchers t- took off their jerseys, and they put it on the mound um, for Tyler Skates. Yeah. You know, I think they're all rocking 45 that game as well. So, um, yeah, like you said, Brent, I mean, it's, it's hard to really call. It wasn't really – it wasn't a cool moment because it's somber, you know, but just a really emotional and – um. Just you know, just just a special great part of sports. Yes, yeah, exactly. it, yeah, a special it was a moment. neat moment in sports. Yes, it, yeah. it's really it's one of those things. And once in a while, you get those. Sports are cool. Yeah, you know, yep. and, and you get reminded of it. Yeah, from time to time. Yeah, uh, and especially in a moment like uh, like that, I will do my balling real quick. Yeah, hit it. All right, the Florida Open was down at uh, Hammock Dunes. Uh, former UNF golfer Sean Dale, he won it nine under sixty three on the final round to win uh, by a shot. And, of course, uh, he's born and raised in Jacksonville. Uh, really cool story for Sean Dale coming out of nowhere at the Hammock Dunes Club in the Florida Open. A big event uh, by the FSGA, uh, some amateur golf uh, in the state of Florida. Uh, actually, just not amateur golf. Uh, there were pros in that, too. So, uh, But it, we went down there a couple of weeks ago for their media day. The course is unbelievable. Big event in the state of Florida. And uh, I thought Sean Dale would in that uh, former Osprey, Jacksonville guy, uh, just down the road. And to win like that, I mean, 963, yeah. that's that's playing some golf now. Uh, and, and he comes back and wins. He actually finished like an hour and a half before the leaders came through. So he had to sit out and wait. <laughs> In the lead to see if anybody would catch him, but Sean Dale's bowling. Um, bowling. My ball and Uriah Faber comes out of retirement at 40 years old and takes on a young upstart by the name of Ricky Simon in the past UFC event this week in Sacramento, which happened to be Faber's hometown. Um, it was supposed to be kind of a case where Simon would basically steamroll Uriah Faber, who is a UFC Hall of Famer, and this would allow Simon to kind of get his name out there a little bit and kind of boost his stock. Well, Faber said, check this out, and literally KO'd the dude in 46 seconds, making it the fastest knockout that he's ever had in 45 fights. And now all of a sudden, you're talking about Uriah Faber at the, at the age of 40 years old, who Dan White even said he's too old to fight anymore, um, just called out Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight title. So uh, it's crazy how literally in one fight things can change you know, everything. So uh, props to your eye favor, man. Come out of retirement, fighting his hometown, 40 years old, and getting the job done. Hey, a couple other headlines uh, from a ball. We'll do Fallen on the other side because I think we'll run out of time in this segment. But on, on the other side, Fallen, including more baseball and, uh, like, did you know you can steal first base now? Like, that's on the way. Yeah. But some Fallen, <laughs> uh, Ben Simmons, your guy, five years, $170 million. Well, they're throwing money around the NBA like it's going out of style. And still, T.J. McConnell got about 100 bucks and a couple of Subway gift cards. <laughs> but it's all good, though. We're all, we're all getting paid around here. Everybody getting paid uh, in the NBA. 
uh, for sure. Were, were, were you following NBA news on vacation? Or I not? was. It was hard not to. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, was, it was like the driving dish podcast here the past couple yeah, weeks. Absolutely, <laughs> I bet it was. All right, following on the way, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour on ESPN 690. There has been a ton of NBA news the last couple weeks. How you been doing? We've been really thriving. Kuz has been thriving this kind of, kind of environment here. Yeah. I, I honestly like couldn't keep up half of the time. It's hard to keep up. Like the Kawhi thing happened at like two in the morning. Yeah, I did. We got that. Uh, we we're on the cruise, and I could still. I actually got like the internet package, so I mine was working. But even like uh, the rest of the family, they could st- depend on where we were. They would get like alerts. Yeah, couldn't mm-hmm. really do much with their phone, but they'd get the notifications. And so yeah, you'd get them at like two. All this NBA, that was that whole thing was odd. And on top of that, the three-year deal. You know, as, it, as I was trying to read along, and I wasn't like all in on it, but I was kind of reading some of the tweets. And, so, and wasn't it like Jalen Rose who said, "Yeah, it could be a two-year deal," and then everybody blasted Rose saying, yeah. "It's not going to be a two-year deal." Well, sure, was well, heck wasn't too far from a two-year deal. I mean, it was just three. True. And doesn't that have a player option, actually, the third year? Yeah, and I think that's... So it's, that's, it's technically a two-year deal. Yeah. I, to me, it was like a Kawhi making a move like, well, I'm going to give this two years. If it's not working, then I've gotten out, and I can go somewhere else. Yeah, and I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and relive the whole NBA thing, but yeah. I think the overall thought, and you guys may have talked about this, the, the thing that I take away from, obviously, the West is unbelievable now. Yes. I mean, it, it's wide open. The league is wide open. The players have made the league wide open. The players are the GMs now. The GMs are just facilitators. Yep. They, the, but the players are GMs. Like, that does not happen in sports. Mm-hmm. I don't think it happens in any other sports. But it's so individualized now in the NBA, right or wrong, that they've created this where they've changed the entire dynamic. It was, I guess you could go all the way back, right? I mean, even when Larry Bird and the Lakers, there was kind of the big three on those teams. You could, I mean, there was always three that you could pull out from even Jordan's, Bulls, and Pippen. But we've gone from three, where Golden State tried to stretch it to like four or five stars, but we've gone from this trio where you need three to be successful. Well, now it's a two-man game. Right. I mean, is that is that what has come out of the whole NBA in the last couple of weeks? We've, we went from three stars to two stars. We yeah, did, absolutely. We did kind of talk about this because uh, I forget if it was it might have been the, the Paul George announcement. I put it up on our Facebook page and the first comment was like the league's rigged. They're just making super teams, yada, yada, yada. And I was telling Austin, I was like. I was surprised because the vibe around this is like it's the season of duos. Like NBA jams should come back because they could do like an, oh please they bring would make that so back. much money because it is it's all duos. And, and what it could create is a bunch of par- a more parody. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that makes things interesting, especially for the casual fan. And can I just say, I gotta give props to our boy, uh, Action Sports Jacks, Marcel Robinson, who's a diehard He's an OKC <laughs> fan. We, we had to go through, we literally saw it happen before our eyes, the stages of grieving while he was doing our show. Because the first time, obviously, Paul George leaves Oklahoma City. So we talked to him about that. You can tell he was a little bit bummed about it. And then a couple days later, Russell Westbrook goes to, to Houston, gets traded. And uh, it, it has not been a, a good couple well, weeks. There was the one Oklahoma, step before Oklahoma that. Oklahoma City Thunder fans. He came on the driving dish because my co-host was on vacation. This was before any of the trades. Oh, and wow. he was, you know, we're all excited. We're Full talking life. about it. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, hey, we got our two guys. So. Right. <laughs> now we don't. Two days later, I was just like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one takeaway I do have from Oklahoma City, though, is this could really benefit Billy Donovan. Yeah. Because you know, Billy Donovan's got no control when you've got – 
Russell Westbrook and and Paul George and guys like that. Well, now, to me, he's got a Brad Stevens-esque kind of situation. When Stevens walked into the Celtics, you had all these guys. Nobody even knew them. Uh, Or they might know them, but they're all young guys. They're all wide-eyed, rookies, young players. You can get them to play defense. You can get them to play hard. You can get them to buy in. Well, what happens three years later, those guys have now become stars. They've got some more veteran presence. You bring Kyrie on board. Now that that power shift goes from the coach back to the players like it is in a lot of places in the NBA. Well, the power shift now belongs to Billy Donovan, I would think, in Oklahoma City. Exactly. So it really could benefit Billy for the next couple of years to kind of implement and play and have a more of a say, I think. When yeah. you have Russell Westbrook on your team, what are you running? You're running You're Russell what he Westbrook. Wants to, what he wants to run. Right. Exactly. Well, so, you, you know, we'll I mean, see if it works that for way. For now, you have Chris Paul. You'd assume that's going to that's yeah. move. Is it, that, is it, what's the story there? Is they is there's, he going to get traded? There's a lot of reports he's not going to play a game for them. Yeah, um, okay, that's what I yeah. thought. He could go to the Heat or something. Heat, we're right? talk. I, I honestly think the uh, Pistons would be good, but I know him and Blake Griffin don't get along, so like that would make it not good. Is Chris good. Paul a problem? Do a lot of people not get along that's, with that's, that's honestly that's what a, it seems yeah. like. And, you never and, get that from the outside looking in. He's got the I mean, commercials. He's got the State Farm commercials and everything. Seems like a great guy. He's got that bowling event every year he does a charity for. So from the outside looking in, Chris Paul seems like the stand-up dude, but you heard, you heard rumblings of problems with him and Harden in the locker room, and then um, you also heard some other rumors, like other teams he was on, even with the Clippers. So uh, I think it's a situation where he may not be the best team player, and Chris Paul's a guy where if he would have took that max deal when he had a chance to in Los Angeles, play for the Clippers a couple more years, that might have turned out in his benefit, but yeah, I guess Interesting. hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, listen, I, uh, the one thing I don't want to do is go on vacation for two weeks and then rehash everything that might have already been talked about. No, but you're good. I, I, you. I just had that only comment about the uh, NBA, yeah. and I knew it would get Kuz's ears. Oh, of course, up. of course. Uh, driving now he's working. Now he's working. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hear from Dan Mullen in just uh, a few moments, uh, but we have fallen to get to. Uh, and we're going some baseball. Tell us about it. Man, this I just, is crazy. Maybe, maybe you want to go back maybe on vacation, Brent. Maybe you should go back on vacation. Uh, listen, I don't know what's going on with baseball. Uh, there's a lot of good things, a lot of a lot of home runs, a lot of bat flips. I'm all for that. But in the Atlantic League, which is an MLB affiliate, um, just check out this audio, and then I'll explain what's going on here. As the one pitch misses outside, Tony Thomas is going to try to steal first. There is no throw. He's aboard. And we've seen it. Somebody has stolen first base. It is a professional baseball first, Austin. Yeah, oh, well, he was okay. talking to you. So he wasn't talking to me because I would have uh, not been in that game when that happened. I would have walked out of the booth and said, I'm not watching baseball anymore, the especially in the Atlantic call, League. He did that like he had seen it 50 times, yeah. and then he was like, we have finally seen it. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't out of the ordinary or anything. So basically, uh, the Atlantic League is kind of implementing some new rules. They're, they're doing the robotic umpire, or like the, the strike zone, and another rule that's Pretty much the biggest one that everyone's talking about, it seems like, is the ability to steal first base. Now, I'm not talking about where if you're on two strikes, it's strike three, the ball goes past the catcher, you can run to first base. No. Anytime the ball goes past the catcher, or even if it doesn't go past the catcher, you have the ability to run to first base and quote-unquote steal. And that's what you heard in the audio, and that's what the Atlantic League is kind of, um, I guess, Testing to see if, if it gets a good reception or not. I can tell you right now, if this gets implemented um, in the MLB, I might turn the MLB off because this is, to me, an absolutely ridiculous rule. Yeah, it is. It's really crazy. I mean, try to yeah. digest this. I, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't know that was part of the rule mm-hmm. until you brought it up. 
uh, you know, in, in a break, and we say, I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't even see this. Yeah. And I thought you were wrong. I thought you were talking about the third strike. No, you know, and I, I had to check my source to make sure I wasn't. And no, it's literally one strike, two strikes, but whatever. how bizarre. Like, some of the introductory rules make some sense. Like, the one, the stepping off the mound after, I mean, like, why can't you do an inside move to second base? Like, that doesn't, what's wrong with an inside move to second base on the pickoff? That's a, that, that's a weird one. I hate the electronic strike zone. Yeah. I'm not even going to go into the soapbox there. I hate it. But. This makes the like. What is the point of it? Like, what? <laughs> so a guy well, misses the ball. I'm trying to see the other side of this. It's an 0-1 count. The ball gets goes back, and what happened in this case? It got stuck. Yes. Right. Like underneath. Yeah. And so he, like, he even said in like the article, he's like, "Oh, it just got stuck back there." So I was like, "What the heck? Let's try it." Yeah. Like, yeah. You can tell the players don't even want to do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about this too, Brent. So say you have a guy on first, he steals second, the catcher throws to second, and it's a pass ball. That guy at first can go to uh, that guy batting can go to first then. Yeah, I don't like. I, 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 that's it's, it's silly. Yeah, uh, that's all we gotta say. It's silly, and it, it's I, I don't see it being a full time rule. I hope it's not, but. I just don't. Is Milton Bradley like suits and ladders? Are they making these rules up now <laughs> as we go along? Well, it like, it's just feel ridiculous. Like, it feel, see, that's what I'm always afraid of. Rule changes is gimmicky. Yeah, like, that stuff this feels is gimmicky. gimmicky. Yes. You know, I get it. You could try something. If you want to try the electronics, I hate you for it. But I, if you want to try it, people have talked about it. Mm-hmm. That's not gimmicky necessarily. That's a big rule change in my opinion. But you're trying it there. This stuff is. You got to be careful in rule changes, but not to be silly. All right. Uh, how about? The Red Sox signing Chris Sale to a five-year extension, and the guy can't get anybody out. No. And the reason I'm not going to talk, I mean, obviously I was back up home, so there's a lot of Red Sox talk. And the Red Sox, I, I, the Red Sox are not that good this year. It's going to be hard to do what they did last year anyway. Uh, they've got a lot of problems in the bullpen. They're, they're moving Evaldi out there. But the fact that Sale can't, you can't rely on him at all. This guy is like one of the best pitchers in the game the last few years. Lights out. Mm-hmm. And he can't get guys out. I mean, it's unbelievable. But that fallen brings us to, you looked up our predictions Yes. early in the year. When we started Major League Baseball season, yeah. we predicted who would win each division. We did. How are we doing? Uh, you want me to quick drop it? You want me to yeah. set it for the next segment? I'd do it. We can hang for a minute. Okay, cool. So uh, in terms of our predictions, we're pretty much in the same boat, Brent. The AL East. What'd you, what do we have? I had the Yankees, um, and you had the Red Sox. I had the Red Sox. You had the Red Sox, yes. And I also said that Why Aaron did I Hicks. Do that? I said Aaron Hicks would be the leadoff man of the year. There is no leadoff man of the year, as you put out. And Aaron Hicks is not playing like the lead man of the year. So he was hitting like two hundred two yeah, last time it's, I saw. It's not, it, he was hurt, but it's not a good look. Uh, I was wrong with that so prediction update, of leadoff Yankees, man of the year. You're right on. Yes. Tampa Bay is six games back. The Sox are ten games back yeah. in the AL East. Okay, what's next? And can I just say I had to listen back to our actual episode. It was a hard listen. That's good homework. It was a hard listen for my end because. Man, uh, you've gotten a lot better. I hope I've so. gotten a lot no, better. Well, you're always good. Um, I was hurting a little bit. All right, so I'm sorry. Uh, the, the AL Central. Uh, I had the Indians, Brent, and this was uh, I kind of gave you a little crap about this. You Rocco Baldelli twins. and the Twins. You took the Twins. And I they said, got a six and a half game lead. Yes, the Twins, man. So that, good. I'm riding with the Twins. Good call on that one. I got a Huckleberry bet. People have talked about that. Uh, I need the Twins oh, to come worry. up. Oh, don't worry. That's part of the. I'm getting into that a little bit as well. So AL West, it was pretty obvious for me and you. Astros had to go with them. Yeah, yeah. they're so good. So uh, the, they've struggled at times. Let's go to the National League. In the East, I had the Phillies, and I also called that Andrew McCutcheon will win Comeback Player of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's out for the year. Maybe he's next a, year. He's out for the year. Yeah, yeah. Back-to-back comeback player of the year. Uh, Phillies right now are hurting a little bit. Brent, you took the Braves. And I said that you shouldn't buy into the hype of the Braves last year. Uh, Brent bought in, and it seems to be paying dividends for him. I'm three for four. You're he's, two for four. Yes. Uh, NL Central. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Did I you took, homer up? I, oh, I homered up all day, That's man. okay. I took the Brewers, and you took the Cardinals. We both have a chance. Yes, we do. That thing's wide open. Yes, yes, we do. It's hard to tell right now. Six and a half. It's the best division in base. Yep. It's really the only division race. Yep. I mean, you could argue. No, without a doubt. Uh, the NLS, this was my pick where I was going to get a job with MLB Network if it came right. Uh, I took the Rockies, and all things considered. You know, the Rockies aren't. They haven't played bad. But it's just the Dodgers By the way, are so Ruffy's good. Daniel coming on big yeah. time. He's playing well. But And as, as I said, the Dodgers, you took the Dodgers. I did. Yes. That was chalk. The Dodgers yeah. were easy to take. Yep. I hate doing the chalk ones, but the Dodgers were pretty easy. Uh, so AL I'm doing pretty well. Yep. So AL wild card, real quick. You took the Yankees. Okay. Nice take. And uh, the Angels. They've who, got a who chance. Who could make some moves in the, uh, in the second part of the season here to get some pitching or something? Yeah, they and, had a wild yeah. card. You know, wild card, if you didn't like that when it was introduced years and years ago, now like two decades ago, yeah. it's really a good idea because it's got a lot of people still in the mix in both leagues. What uh, about the NL? So I or took, who'd you take, sorry? So yeah, for, the, for the wild card, I took the Red Sox. Okay. And I took well, the Athletics. They're in it right yeah. now. I think they're in the mix. Yeah, I took the Athletics. And so are the A's. Yeah. So, so not bad. Okay. Uh, NL wild card, I took the Nationals and I took the Cards. You're both both I'm, could be I'm, good. I'm not mad at that. And Bren, you took the Cubs and the Phillies, and both could be in it. And now World Series predictions. I took the Brewers over the Astros. Your World Series prediction, you didn't actually give it because you said you wanted to, but you had a bet in play, and this is where <laughs> this is where it comes with a bet. Yeah. Uh, you you made a bet. I made a bet. And uh, hundred bucks. Can you please explain a little more? Because I forgot how exactly it I made was. the bet, and the bet is the. Yankees, Red Sox, Indians, or Astros cannot go to the World Series. Not win. Yes. Go to the World Series. I get the rest. Yeah. This other, this other gentleman. Goof <laughs> okay. Goof <laughs> gets those four teams. Yeah. And I get the rest of the league. And spoiler alert from that previous episode with those predictions. And I was so sorely made fun of for this bet. I, I was not impressed with this bet, and I might I may have been a little rude to you. <laughs> and I just want to say, Brett, you weren't the I just only one. Say, I apologize in advance. Okay, well, so now getting yet. back, well, we'll not see. Yet. But so far, man, with that bet, you're looking pretty good. I've got a decent chance. You're feeling confident. I have. Obviously, the Yankees and Houston are really good. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox, I'm not worried about. But I've got to live on Minnesota and Tampa, and right now Cleveland's been playing better ball too. So it's wide open. But I've got teams like Oakland and Texas and the Angels and the Rays are in the mix. Yeah. And what I have to do is I need two of my teams to make the postseason. And I know the Yankees and Houston are going to make the postseason. So if I've got a chance at this bet, a better chance than anybody gave me credit for in Absolutely. the beginning of Especially the year. Especially the Twins, man. Look like the real deal. Now, the, the question with the Twins is, though, is they kind of live and die off the home run, right? How is that going to transpire in the playoffs? Well, I'm not a big fan of that in the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, but anyway, they're good. Yeah. And, and we'll see if they can ca- They were so good in the first half of the year. Yeah. Can the, can the Twins and my man Rocco Baldelli carry it through in the second half of the year? Thanks for the update, though. That was You're good, all good research, man. man. No worries. Yep. We went back. I'd kind of forgotten about that. Yeah, oh, I remember all about it. And we're not doing bad on the baseball picks. Not bad, but w- once again, my... Leadoff player of the year needs a little work. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Especially since there isn't one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, when we come back, uh, Dan Mullen, SEC Media Days. We'll hear from him about the Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville and also about his football team in 2019. It's next.
Hey everyone, Juwan Taylor here at University of Florida, and you're watching Access Sports Jacks. Go Gators! Obviously, I know uh, it, it'll be a little different. Um, we lost a great member uh, of the Gator family when uh, George Edmonds said Mr. Two Bits passed away, and uh, that is such a, a really interesting. Our first game, you know, when they come out and uh, to go pay, to have a, you know, a, a, a tribute to him and what he did in in college football. The traditions uh, and the passion that come along with those traditions are what makes it so special. That's Dan Mullen today at SEC Media Days talking about the tradition. Uh, Mr. Two Bits and uh, passing uh, in the last couple of weeks, but obviously uh, a tradition that has uh, stood the test of time even in his retirement and now after his passing and, and will continue uh, for the University of Florida. Tradition in college football. I mean, it is... It is amazing how much it's pushed on by coaches as well. It's what's so different about pro sports compared to college. Like in high school, there are traditions. It depends where you go. Some are good. Some are not so good. Some are uh, really intense. And for the most part, I wouldn't say really intense in a lot of rivalries. Uh, but you can feel it. And a lot of times at the youth level, you can feel those rivalries, even if it's self-created and not as much from the outside. In college football, especially big-time college football, it's amazing how much that still exists, even though there is so much branding that takes place. There are so many stars now, even in college football, because it's got so big. But it's amazing how the traditions do stay there, and then they just drop off completely in the NFL or or in really in pro sports. I mean, it's hard to find it. There are some. But they don't get talked about like they are in college. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber in. We talk a little Florida Gators. Dan Mullen on the podium today. The Gators uh, at SEC Media Days in Birmingham. What's up, Weber? Not a whole lot. Uh, played nine this morning. I saw it's that. Good. Yeah. Uh, you, I was trying to figure out where that was. Blue Sky. That was Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Okay, good. So That's we, a fun little course to play. Fun little course and an emphasis on little course. We uh, we were playing from some of the up tees. I uh, played the white tees. Once we were closer to my mom who was playing the gray tees. Um, so we played the white tees just for a nice, easy. So there was one par five. It was like 410 yards. Okay. Not very long for a par five. No. Eagled it. Very good. You know, hey, so you gotta are take the white tees considered the ladies' tees? No, no, no. Uh, it's the the next one would have been the ladies' okay, tees. Okay, gotcha. Yes. I'm just checking. Usually it's red on most courses. Is the oh, ladies' gray tees. there. Uh, okay. It was gray. It went gray, white, light blue, dark blue, black. Uh, and we played white for Hey, that's reason. fun sometimes, play the up tees. Yeah, when Weber, you get an eagle, it, it certainly is. hit it straight. Yeah. Well, when he c- connects on a drive, yeah. like he crushes it. I mean, like he oh, can yeah. get, I mean, he I touches around down. 300 once it gets going. Okay. Yeah. It'll get down there now. It's okay. crazy. Like when he actually like connects. Sure. I should probably learn how to do it more often. <laughs> and so did you hit like a really good drive and then a good shot? Uh, I had a decent drive. It got a really good rollout. Yeah. Uh, and then I had like a 120 in, something like that. Uh, put it to, I don't know, 10, 12 feet. Made the putt. Made the putt on aerated greens, by the way. I should get bonus points. <laughs> Ooh, for, well, no. Listen, you wouldn't I, have made the putt if it wasn't aerated. I would have made the putt <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't. Thank you very much. Did you get a new putter, by the way? Because I, I knew you were so, in the market for one. Or did you, you find the old one? No, I don't have new clubs yet. Um, so my parents are in town. So, you know, they brought their clubs. Gotcha. Uh, which included a couple extra clubs, including my old putter from a long time ago. Right. Got which was a little Odyssey, Odyssey White Hot, which was a good putter when I used it until I got Scotty Cameron, which was a sensational putter. Um, but And so my stepdad brings me this this putter, this old Odyssey uh, white-hot putter, and he's like, I got it re-gripped for you. And he, he got the uh, the ping grip on it, okay. a la Tiger Woods, 
who would get a ping grip on his putter, even though it wasn't a ping putter. It's like, I did it like Tiger for you. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. So so essentially that and an old 56 of mine, uh, an old wedge. All so right. I've got two clubs. Have they solved the uh, mystery I haven't, of your clubs? I haven't heard since. they. It's a cold them. case. It's a cold case That's now. where you got to call us up and we'll go. Let's Me and you kick down some doors, kick man. Down I'm some telling doors, you. Find my 2007 yeah. Nike Sumo Sasquatch driver. It would be awesome uh, if someday we're playing in like a tournament and we get grouped. With a guy that has your clubs. Yep. That would be awesome. That'd be something, man. I'll tell you what. Oh, I can see it right now. Right now. I'd see the clubs and be like, Stuart, I'd call you up and be like, Stuart, do you have this, 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 and this? And then you'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, okay. And then we'd kind of tell the guy. And then eventually we have to swarm on him, Brent. But, well, it might not be that guy. That guy could have bought, him bought the clubs oh. from someone else. Right, who stole it. And I'm still swarming. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to beat the questions. I'm going to beat the answers out of him. <laughs> Where'd you get it from? Who I'll sold beat it the questions out of him. You beat the answers out of him. I'm going to beat him so bad he's going to ask me questions. Yeah, okay. The, uh, I, I have a feeling the people who stole them aren't going to be playing with them. Although they should. They're decent clubs. Also, I have the four iron for you if you want the complete set. It was out of the bag because I can't hit it. So it's in my garage. Oh, you do? <laughs> I have the four iron from my irons, but I yeah. can't hit it. Well, I can't so hit it either because it's right-handed. That's why nobody hits. Yeah, that's why nobody hits four <laughs> irons anymore. Because oh, uh, my four irons a little bent. I, I uh, might have hit it against the tree. <laughs> so I haven't used it in like a year, <laughs> by accident or on purpose, out of rage. Yeah, rage. Right. There rage. it is. A little rage. I like it. So I've I've punished myself by not being able to use my four iron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting it fixed. That'll do it. But uh, yeah, it's a nice, nice, easy morning today, and. Uh, and now kind of compiling stuff from SEC Media Days for tonight. Yeah, so uh, Dan Mullen talks. and ah, I mean, nothing earth-shattering. The, the question, they've got some star potential in their skill positions. Felipe Franks, I'm still, I, I think people got to be cautiously optimistic on Felipe Franks. And a lot of that has to do with Dan Mullen, what he got out of him. Does he take another step and now playing with confidence in, in a year, maybe not a full year, but Definitely more positive than negative vibes, which is always good for a player because it's tough at that position when all you do is hear it. And he was hearing it last year. Remember, he had the comment oh, yeah. about the fans. So, but that offensive line, what are they going to have there? And what do they do on the bounce? The the year was so good for Mullen that it. And, and I will say this, Florida fans, look look at what happened last year, and a lot of things went well. They did. It lined up a lot. And listen, that's okay. That's not to say. That's not take away from anything. It was a fantastic year, but a lot of things went well. Just like here in Jacksonville two years ago, a lot of things went well in 17. And I don't think that's a knock on a team. You need that. So I'm just a little curious about the bounces, the breaks, the offensive line uh, about Florida this year. Sure. I'm optimistic merely for the fact that one, he's a year older, but just seeing all those receivers that he has – and Dan Mullen learning the strengths of those receivers and being able to see them through a whole year, I feel like that's going to significantly help the offense, assuming he can stay upright in the backfield, Felipe. Like you said, the offensive line is a big question mark for the team. But I, I feel like if he can get that time and get a little bit of a pocket, I mean, he's got a plethora of weapons to choose from. He really does. Um, and as he continues to get older and get more developed, you'd like to think he's going to be able to hit more kinds of passes, you know, to be able to utilize that full Dan Mullen playbook. Yeah, and with the good receiver, the veteran, the working together for a little bit more time. And again, Mullen is really good with the QB and with the offense. So uh, it, it'll be fascinating to see uh, Dan Mullen from Media Days today talking about uh, the success and laying the foundation and now jumping into year two as the head man in Gainesville.
I think we took great strides in our first year in, in the program. Uh, you know, when you look in, in year one and you get a 10-win season, you finish uh, ranked sixth in the country in the final polls. Um, it was really, really exciting. It, it showed how fast our guys bought into what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build. That was a great accomplishment uh, of year one for Dan Mullen. Guys did buy in. And even Michael P. Ryan said today uh, that, you know, when he came in there, it was a tough locker room. And now it's a 10 on a scale of 1 through 10. Now it's a brand room. new locker room, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't sure know if you saw did. the pictures today. They got a new remodel on the uh, the locker room. And listen, that's a bit it's, – it's not really like a radio storyline, I don't believe. I mean, no, that's all, that's all, it's visual. It's more of a visual thing. We'll show it on TV tonight we'll, yeah. on CBS 47 and Fox 30. But it also is an important step for the Gators, not just that locker room, but the fact that a year from now they'll start that football facility. Once they get done with baseball and they remove that, mm-hmm. that, that football, it's a, just part of it. Right, it's a big deal recruit, recruit, in recruit, college uh, yeah. football right now, and they have lacked in that. And when you get a new coach and you have some success, and Dan Mullen, part of it is we're going to give you the best situation possible. You get the new look locker room upgrades there. You'll get the upgraded football facility. Uh, but here's the one thing I caution with Mullen and the Gators is that he did so well in year one, like they bought in so so. It's almost like he got the the bar too high in year one. You know, yeah. it, 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 again, the parallel is 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 easy for Jags like Mullen and Marone, not too different. Right. True. Marone walked in. Bam. Just like that. Holy cow. This guy's unbelievable. Uh, it should be coach of the year. And every and he almost set the bar to you almost want to take gradual steps in their business. Like mm-hmm. it's OK. Like if you get to nine wins. Or eight wins even, and sit in the arrow starting to point up, and then you get that ten win and six ranking, and then you flirt with maybe making a final four, and then you win a national championship. Like that's a gradual progression. That's okay, but when you raise it so significantly, now it's like, okay, what's next? Well, what's what's next for the Gators? They almost have to go to like the college football playoff to have a better year than last At least year. At SEC championship, win the division. Yeah. True. Well, well, it, but if you do that, you really have a good chance a to go chance. to the final. It, it makes me think we don't value longevity enough when it comes to head coaches in the sport of football. Uh, with the fact that guys can stay for as long as they can in some, some positions, we should value that a lot more because of that exact thing, that rising expectations. And even if you plateau out at one level, like say you're winning eight or nine, ten games a year, well then, oh, that guy couldn't get over the hump. He yeah. couldn't get Less to, miles. you know, after he won the title. So it, it it always amazes me when guys are able to stick in one place for so long on the coaching level. And I think there is a lot of hype with the Florida Gators this year. I mean, I, I said it before on the show today, Brent. I mean, you remembered for your last game. That last game was the Michigan Wolverines in a bowl game. And you have to remember, Michigan was coming off an embarrassing loss to Ohio State. Yeah. So they had something to play and for, too. And had the Gators number. Exactly. Now, don't get it twisted. I mean, a lot of guys from Michigan didn't play in that game. They're getting ready for the draft and everything. But the Gators still curb stomped them, to say the least. I mean, they, they destroyed them. And I think if you look at the schedule this year, I mean, they're playing Miami, first game of the season. Um, it's a game that they should win. But, they're, you know, like their non-conference schedule, you got Tennessee Martin, which is a FCS school, and you got Towson. Uh, those are two games you obviously have to win. And then the other game, uh, non-conference, is Florida State. Every single year they play the same game. So from the schedule perspective, I mean, is Kentucky going to take another step forward like they did last year? Probably not. Probably not. You know, I think LSU is definitely intriguing. You're playing at LSU. Um, and then at Missouri, which Missouri, for whatever reason, has kind of had Florida's number a little bit as well. So, 
I think that Florida is going to be okay. You know, I mean, I understand that expectations are high, but they should be high. Um, when you crush Michigan like you did, when you do well in the SEC like you did last year, they have to be high because that's, that's SEC football. That's what we're talking about. Well, and it could come down simply to one game. And it's the Florida-Georgia game right here in Jacksonville. Sure. Let's discuss that and hear from Mullen about that game staying in Jacksonville. Did he get politician on us? Very politician. <laughs> uh, let's hear from the head coach coming up after this on ESPN 690 from SEC Media Days on the Florida-Georgia game staying in Jacksonville. We're talking cricket the entire break. Oh, yeah. yeah. And oh, yeah. W- once again, my head hurts. <laughs> it's fascinating, though. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to be a chill week for me. Mental stuff, and now I have a headache because Stewart's talking cricket again. Yeah, on the cruise, all you can watch is uh, uh, cricket and tennis. Oof, yeah. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that's not it. You could watch all that's ESPN. That's all that was on anyways. But it really was that's all that was on during that week. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a little baseball, but I was asking all these questions oh, about cricket. Awesome. And I'm like, you know, I went, I went to a match in Bermuda. Okay. I actually took a cruise to Bermuda like 15 years ago. And I was like, I got to go see this match. You big know? down there. And so we were in the Caribbean this time around. It's obviously big in a lot of, on a lot of those islands. And uh, But we didn't see like a live match going on or anything. But the, the World Cup and cricket that you talked about. But Ty's asked me all this stuff. And I'm like, Stewart's explained this to me before. But I really don't know. Like, I can't. I can't tell. It's like, you're going to have to talk to Stuart. It's kind of fun to try to figure it out. Yeah. That, you ever watch that's what I did. like that, that, that like, was, and try to exactly. figure it out? That's what I did with cricket. I was sick one day from school. It might have been in college, or I don't know when it was, but I was sick, and I popped on ESPN3 at the time, and I was like, all right, I'm going to learn cricket today. So I learned cricket. <laughs> By the way, huge day in London yesterday. I put a, a Twitter poll out about which of the three major events would you want to go to. Uh, Cricket World Cup final came in last with 11%. Shocking. Formula One Grand Prix got 15%, and the Wimbledon men's final got an overwhelming 74%. Hmm. Uh, but three huge worldwide events, when you're talking about Cricket World Cup, Formula One, and Wimbledon, all happening at the same time, all in London, on the same day. And Wimbledon was clear favorite. and uh, that Which was makes sense, because it was, match. yeah, Federer and Djokovic was amazing. By the way, those guys, those matches, I, I tweeted this yeah. out, but I don't know if people, like, understood my tweet. Like, they don't even have emotion. Like, there's no fist. Like, even Ty's watching it again, and he's like, where's the fist pump? Like, yeah. they just want a big point. But those guys have been there so many times. That's like another Saturday match. Well, that's kind of like Djokovic has always been like, though, right? He's never really been the guy to wear his emotions on his sleeve, nah, which is kind of the reason why I feel like he's not the most popular tennis yeah, player. Yeah, Federer's like that to a degree, too. I mean, they're both yeah. unassuming guys sure. to begin yeah. with. Yeah. But, but they, like, it jumped off to me that in this intense match, and this is why they're so good, yeah. is that they can keep their breathing the same yeah. <laughs> right? in those tense moments, like where you and I would be, or I would at least, be like, like hardly be able to throw well, the ball up in the air at, like, sometimes you're too exhausted to have emotions. Anyway, it was almost a five-hour match. Yeah. I mean, do anything for five hours. Watch Game of Thrones for five hours. It gets boring. Yeah. I can't imagine still playing, get some emotions, playing a though, sport. Watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, but playing a sport for five hours is, is absolutely insane to me. Man. I love just, that kind of tennis, though. Yeah. See, if tennis was ten, I love the ground strokes and where you have to work for your. Sh- and there's some. You're almost kind of anticipating where it's going to go. Like I, I watch a lot of tennis as a kid. Like I watched Wimbledon all the time, and it got me out. I went and bought a racket and went and played mm-hmm. because I loved watching Andre Agassi and Michael Chang and I was, but then the the power guys to me got boring. You know when Sampras came, well, Sampras was so good, but it was like serve and volley, 
sort of volley or ace, 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 ace. It's like that's not fun to watch, in my opinion. But the, like that match the other day, go five hours. It's fun to watch because all the ground strokes. And you have to wonder how long it would have gone had they not instituted the new rule this True. year. Uh, this year they they brought in a fifth set tiebreaker uh, for the first time, and they said we're going to do it if you get to twelve. So if you get to twelve, twelve in the fifth, yep. we're going to go to the tiebreaker. That's which, because of the Isner match years ago. Partially, it was more. There was a match I want to say last year that threw everything off. The timing um, of everything. The timing well, you of remember everything. the Isner match. The Isner one. Back in like that was a, yeah, that was an early round one. It was seventy it was to six, seventy to sixty-eight. Yes, yeah. uh, against Nicholas Mahout. Seventy to sixty-eight. Pretty sure that's what it, it took was. three yeah. days to play the match. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was eleven hours the yeah. match. Yeah. but nobody could. But that's my point. Couldn't like it's boring because you can't. There's no breaks. Right. At least with yeah. this one, we did see it, and and I was watching, and I thought, okay, Federer breaks Djokovic, and it was I don't know eight seven or somewhere around there, maybe nine eight. And I said, okay, if he doesn't, if he doesn't close it out here, he's going to lose at some point. Yeah. This was his chance. And that's what happened. And that's exactly what happened. He yeah. couldn't close it out. Uh, Djokovic broke back, and then they were on serve all the way till the the tiebreaker. You know, and there you, they go. You know what I was thinking about this? That is a rule. That is a very good rule change. Like I think that's the right rule change. Like, I, it I feels fair. Like, it, yeah. Because you know, listen, twelve twelve is long enough. Yeah. To yeah. try to get a break. Yeah. And then you figure it out. The tiebreaker is a goofy thing. It is. Uh, the tiebreaker is not, I mean, it's all, I guess it's like the shootout, you know, in soccer or whatever, but it's, you play a long five hour match and, and if you miss three points, it. like if you t- play a bad two or three points, but that's sports. I mean, you got to play well in the big moments and you had your chances. I mean, you can't blame anybody. You played, you had six chances to break the guy and win the match or you had a match point like Federer did have. Uh, one other thought I just got us thinking, we're talking about all these crazy sports. What is a sport that you go to? Or, or that you look at and you're like, I have no idea what's going on, but like I think I know what's going on, but I gotta try to figure. Like I almost have, you know, like wrestling to me is like that. I'm not talking about no AEW, like Roman style. Yeah, like I loved going sure. to wrestling matches in high school and college sure. because if you've ever, been, I've said it multiple times in the show, a wrestling match is is super intense. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, if you get a chance, go to the Big Ten Network, watch, like, Ohio State versus Penn State. Yeah. They have on some time. I mean, it's, it's, or it's here in town, go to Clay versus Fleming Island. There the you high go. school match. I mean, it's an awesome. But I will honestly tell you that if I'm at a match and you come with me, like, I know what a reversal is, and that's why you get two points. Sure. Like, oh, you know where to take that. But there are some things going on when yeah. the ref indicates points, and I'm like, all right, who just got that point? Why? Yeah. So wrestling is that way to yeah. me sometimes. I don't know the ins and outs of it. No, for sure. Especially but I they, love being there. Well, and they have a thing called yeah. uh, riding time, too. So if you're, like, in the aggressive position, yes. then you get more points You'll if the time it. is over a minute or something like that. Yeah, so there's a there's a bunch of nuances in, in collegiate wrestling. Of, there's not many sports like that. Like There's not a whole lot. For a lot of people, cricket is cricket, definitely yeah, that's I mean, yeah. But they probably don't want to know. <laughs> Correct. You they know what they I mean? see like, it as a, a foreign people, sport, and they don't care. And, yeah. Uh, and rugby can be confusing, I'm oh, sure, for some people good, as well. That's a, that's a good call. Yeah. Rugby's like, I'm still yeah. not sure I could tell you. I know the Axemen beat people by 80 or 90 <laughs> yes, every time they, they play them. And they serve beer. That's right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, that's what happens at rugby. All right. I, I promise this time we'll get to the Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville stuff. Yeah, we can cover anything that block. No, I know, but we talked cricket. Rugby, yeah, wrestling. That's what happens when tennis. I come into the studio. You know, I get in the studio and things go awry. Hey, in a good way. It's fun too. We're uh, we'll talk back to football. And you know what? You know what we really, really haven't talked about 
The Jags are a week away from reporting. We're going to talk a little Jags. We've got a 5 o'clock hour to do that as well. But here from Dan Mullen, a little bit more at Media Days and, and what some of the players had to say. Some of the headlines coming out of uh, SEC Media Days, including Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville. Mullen's thoughts on that next. All right, why does Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville keep coming up? That's the question I just asked. I just said, did I miss something the last Like, why is this? I feel like it comes up every year. It does, but in, like, the last week, I started seeing some tweets about it, and I was like, why? I mean, listen, we know that they deal here. It's been here forever. A lot of people in southeast Georgia want it to be here. The Gators don't mind it here, of course. Yes, there's always dollars involved and home and home, and uh, there's been more of a pull in the last decade. Mark Rick and and some of the folks in Georgia say, hey, let's get it up here or let's alternate. Uh, now, could that Kirby Smart open the door, I guess, recently? That was probably the latest thing where he was like on the fence about it uh, and said it hurt recruiting. We talked about that. Remember, it's like, we come did. on, man. I mean, it, I think this game yeah, helps it's really recruiting. hurt Georgia's recruiting lately. Yeah, Their recruiting's been awful. <laughs> I mean, this game helps. People know this game. It's like the Red River. What? Like, I don't get the feel they talk about the, the Red River rivalry. Like they do about this one. And in Mullen's statements, in he mentioned leaving, that game right? as, as another one of those big neutral site ones, as well as Army-Navy, just as the kind of the premier neutral sites. And this, and this game being one of them. You can argue it's the best one. Correct. I mean, Army-Navy sits in a different it's, route. It's in his it own is. world, yes. But you can argue it's better than Oklahoma-Texas. So, I... I Listen, I've been around here a dozen years now. I love the week. It's to me this that week and the players' week are, are the greatest. Uh, and I'm not a fan of either team. It, it, none of that's involved. It's just an awesome week for the city. The city does a great job with it, and, and the teams get more and more money. And that's why it's not going anywhere because the teams continue to get promised a lot of money. And I think the city will. Cont- it's not really well. It's up to the ads at Florida and Georgia. It's really up to the politicians in jacksonville <laughs> it's up to the mayor at, at this stage of it mm-hmm. to say hey we'll give this amount of money will there be a cap on that at some point where they'll say hey we're not coming to jacksonville unless you give us five million dollars each and they're like well no we can't do that and you know what my answer would probably be i doubt there is a money limit because it makes like the city some crazy amount of money like 35 million dollars or something yeah so it's still worth it to pay the teams a lot of money I just don't see it happening. I don't see it leaving. And I really don't think from all the parties, nobody at Florida. Again, Florida is like the, the, the least of the concerns in this because it's not that far for them. No. You know, so it's in their backyard, essentially. So I, I never feel like there's as much resistance from the Gator camp. The Georgia camp, I don't think they want to move this. They don't want to be the guy to move this game and tick off all the money people in southeast Georgia, St. Simons Island. That's a big draw. I mean, that is a big part of Bulldog Nation, Dog Nation. I mean, that's a big part of it. And then I really don't think you want to be the politician in Jacksonville that let this game go. You don't want your name attached to that. I can tell you what, the the legacy read will have an asterisk for whatever politician or set of politicians let this game leave Jacksonville, whether it's their fault or not. It's not going to sit well. Yeah. So I, I just don't see it happening well, because nobody's going to have the guts, I think, to say, okay, fair enough, go. And listen, we're talking pros and cons. I really don't see the con of 
not having it here every single year in Jacksonville. Like, I get George's point, like, well, the travel. People travel to, I guarantee there's people in Birmingham right now, SEC Media Days, that are camping out for SEC Media Day. Like, it, it, it's the SEC, okay? I mean, the fans are passionate. More. And I think you've always had this thing. It's been a tradition. Um to, to to make it where it's Florida one year and then Georgia the next year. And like look at look at all the big rivalries. Like Michigan does that with Ohio State. Auburn does that with Alabama. But I think that the fact it's been done so long now in Jacksonville, you just can't change it up. And and the, the fans are gonna come regardless. Like it's the, the travel should not be the, the worry. And and I do think like ESPN's been here. I think this year, uh I don't know if I'm supposed to say it or not, but I think like even some of ESPN's personalities radio wise are going to be here. Cool. It they wouldn't be going to Athens for it. They wouldn't. They're going because it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, whether people want to say it or not. That's why they're coming here. That's why game day was here last year for it, right? Even though it's a CBS event, CBS 3.30, you can pencil it in. You don't need to even set the schedule for it. They're coming here because of that. Will they do it if it's in Athens? Will they do it if it's in Gainesville? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe they go somewhere else. Well, here's the thing. Both of these teams have a schedule that is stacked with rivalry games. True. Why would you sacrifice this unique rivalry game at a neutral site just to have another one in your own backyard? Florida's going to play Florida State every other year in Gainesville. They're going to play Tennessee, LSU every other year in Gainesville. You have these great rivalry showcases on your home field. This gives you a different feel, a different game day experience a different sell for a recruit. It's a complete exactly. You get to play in an NFL stadium. You want to talk about recruiting? There's recruiting for you. And you get to play in maybe the biggest rivalry game there is, the biggest setting there is. Mm-hmm. It's 100,000. It's like you it want your family every year. coming There's down. a reason for that. Yeah. I mean, so it's, again, I don't think it's going anywhere. It doesn't sound like Dan Mullen wants to admit. Maybe there's more behind the scenes to this, and I'm ready to admit. I don't think there is. I think this is just normal discussion. Here's Dan Mullen uh, talking about the, the game in Jacksonville. You know what? I, I think you can make an argument either way. I think I think being in the neutral site, obviously, it makes it a very special game, a very unique game that you get to go coach in. And there's not many of those in college football. You know, if you look at those every year traditional uh, neutral site games, right? And I might might be off on it. I know there's Florida, Georgia, uh, there's Texas, Oklahoma, and there's Army, Navy. Uh, I don't know if there's any more than that. If I am, I don't want to offend a rivalry out there. Um, but that that's something special to say that you got to play in this very special, unique game. Um, but you can also see and make the argument on the other way of how big a game it is. You know, you're lo- you're taking one of your biggest rivalry games every year, and you're moving it off campus where you can't host that in your home stadium for your fans, all your season ticket holders for recruiting. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that you can make arguments on, on both sides of why it should stay in Jacksonville, why it should leave Jacksonville, uh, and be a home and home. Uh, and it's interesting. I think you know it'll be it'll be interesting discussion in the next couple of years is when the contract runs up of, of what the future is going to be for that game now running for office dan mullen yeah i think the i think what's happened here is i think some of the, the georgia and florida folks have gotten together and said we're going to play it this way because we're going to keep driving the price up i think that's what's happened because their arguments about recruiting and selling to the season ticket holder is there it's dumb it doesn't make sense it's, it's like it's an melvin, hour and a half away it's the melvin you know gordon college football from jacksonville like, especially on the Gator side, it doesn't make sense. And again, you've got states like, it doesn't make sense. It's a dumb argument. It's not leaving. It'd be dumb to leave. They don't want their fingerprints on the one that, that to leave. 
Real quick, uh, is it make or break the season for Florida, that game, here in Jacksonville? I wouldn't say that. No, I don't think so. Oh, I think it is. I think it will depend on how successful this year is. It's based on that game in Jacksonville against Georgia. Can they beat Georgia? And they do. It could swing the, <laughs> it could swing, uh, swing the season for sure. Uh, when we come back, we got a happy hour horn. Some good news from Vita de Luis Tequila. And we talk a little Jags football all in the way. What was your Madden rating? Uh, when, you play? when I started out, it was 65, and I got a lot of crap from my friends because my overall speed was 54. So literally, when Madden dropped that year, my friends, because I don't play Madden that much, my friends purchased Madden, screenshotted the 54 speed, and uh, talked all the crap to me about that speed rating. If there were a Madden for radio, what do you think everyone's ratings would oh, be? Oh, and by the way, when it first came out, I was a redhead, by the way, too. Didn't have dreads, and I was actually had red hair. Really? I was like, a, yeah, I had. it was bad. So thankfully they updated it, and we're all good now. Uh, I'm sorry, who's, what was the question? I got, I got all heated. If you, no, if there was a Madden-style ranking yeah. for radio. What, 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 what would, would ev- you be? What would everybody get? I, th- I think you know where you stand, Coos. Oh, I know I'd be not that great. But. <laughs> um, in terms of leadership, uh, timing, um, professionalism, you know, Martin knows coming with a 99. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, right. Right. that's all you got to know. As yeah. long as I beat Ramsey. <laughs> Ramsey was a 97. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, as a player, though, how quick to that rating did you go? Like when Madden came out. Yeah. It's kind of like a thing in the NFL. Like, see, it I don't is. care about it. I, I don't play it, so I don't. It's like it means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's like whatever. Yeah. But it's obviously it's a middle of July before football starts. Topic today. Sure. Yeah. But I could see as a player, like if they did some of this kind of score seriously in like radio or TV. Yeah. And then, and then they launched the publication. I could see all of a sudden being like. Okay, what's my score? Like I would run to the magazine and see yeah, what my score is. I was see, it's funny because I, I played Madden all through college, and then by the time I got to the NFL, and then I was in the video game, it was weird to me. Like yeah. it, it just it didn't really sit right with me. Cool, it, it's cool, but it's also weird. Um, but you have to remember, so like Madden, it, yeah. So they start. I think there's five guys that are 99s overall, which is a big deal in, in the Madden community. But then during the season, depending on performances, whether you raise your yeah, rating or adjust, lower your rating, yeah. yeah. So they adjust every single week. There's updates every. Is week. it every week? It's every week. I didn't realize yeah, that. So like depending how you play in that game, gets adjusted. So like say if I had a sack during a game, then next week maybe like my speed will go up. Um, like my pass rush ability to go up. So they, they constantly keep it up to date. How about that? Yeah. Uh, well, we got a good rating for Vita De Luis. Hopefully, we're getting good ratings here on the show too. Ratings, it's all about ratings yes, everywhere. Sir. Yeah, but uh, it's all about Vita De Luis and Happy Hour Horn right now. Grab a drink, get a shot, and sip your star tenders. Uh, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita Delui Tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDelui.com. And we got some big news from the Vita Delui folks. And uh, I think we are joined on the line by both Mark and Martin. This is a 
tandem phone call, uh, if possible. And they've got some big news with Vita DeLuis. A rating recently came out, and I think it was a pretty good score. What's up, guys? Hey, how are you? What's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, good to hear from you. All right. What's a rating when it comes to tequila? And how does this whole thing work? And tell us what you scored. Well, for anything above a 90 is a great score for any type of spirits. Any of you that go to uh, Total Wine or um, I'm giving a shameless plug or to <laughs> World Market or any of those places, um, anything above a 90 is great. For, so for us to submit to a nationally um, published magazine and end up on Blue Lifestyle getting a 94 rating, we're we can't be anything more than uh, ecstatic about it. Yeah, so um, the ninety four. That's, that's awesome. pretty awesome. Yeah, so you know many of our competitors are are below ninety for so right off the bat a ninety four. No, no red hair here, but um, drink it with an orange. That's as colorful as we get. So. <laughs> Very good. And listen, uh, Vita De Luis is is been uh, sponsoring our happy hour horn now for a few months, but you guys are not that old. So uh, to kind of launch this tequila, launch this whole brand in the last six months or so, maybe a bit more than that, uh, to get this rating kind of right out of the gates, that's pretty good stuff. That must mean it's doing pretty well. and It's been a good response from people. Yeah, we're excited about it. Um, you know, locally, we've had a lot of traction at the restaurants and point of sale. Everything's been um, reviewing very well. Um, the sales are picking up. People are enjoying it. And um, our, our 40 times aren't that good, but we're pretty stoked about this 94. For sure. <laughs> well, listen, I know you, especially, Martin. Your 40 times never been good. Uh, I, I know about Mark. I'm slow, I'm slow out of the game. I know Mark's son's 40 times pretty good, especially on the lacrosse field. But uh, uh, it's good to have the 94 rating. You guys have some big stuff coming up, too. Uh, you're going coast to coast. you got a big event coming up in California. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having us on to, to announce all these items at one time. But um, today is is kind of a milestone. We uh, we were just accepted a registration in California, and um, we're going to celebrate uh, by starting at the Kabo Festival. That's spelled K A A B O O. We're going to be a booth sponsor there, so. We're going to have uh, free trials. So if anyone's going out to the festival in Del Mar, um, one of the nights is um, is Austin's favorite musician, um, Dave Matthews. All right on. Uh, there we Saturday go. night. Yeah. <laughs> so polos and tennis shoes. So, um, we're, we're Mark's got a good memory. He does have a good memory, yeah. man. <laughs> but, um, you know, so that's going to kind of start our, our, our September and, same thing, right at the same time. That's going to be a, our official launch. Uh, if you remember last time we were talking was in May. We were in tequila sampling our Añejo and Reposado. Well, that's going to be bottled and launched uh, right that weekend. We're going to use that weekend in September to launch our Añejo and Reposado. So we're really excited about that. Um, you know, I'm expecting higher than a 94 now, so my expectations are really high. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, though. Hey, that's good. So it's been kind of fun to follow your journey along the way. So we appreciate you guys checking in from yeah. uh, from Mexico to, to now uh, going over to California. I mean, you're checking in from Jacksonville today, but uh, you'll be in Jack in California in September uh, with the, the new stuff coming out uh, around September 13th. That festival's 13th to the 15th uh, in Del Mar. And by the way, I hear there's a rumor 
Maybe even a new uh, happy hour horn on the way. In the works. New happy hour horn. I just listened to the tune. The the vocals are getting laid this week. Um, you know, so we're uh, – Bulby's busy on working on it in Jamaica right now as we speak in the studio. That's awesome. So nice. We're ex- yeah, we're excited about that. And then Friday we're going to celebrate our rating um, out at the uh, at the stadium. So anyone that wants to join us will be around Lot J tailgating. Uh, we're kind of calling it our Start Me Up rating party for the Rolling Stones. So anyone that wants to come out and, and maybe um, hang out with us, um, you know, there might be some Vita DeLui out there. So look for the tent. Awesome, man. Check, cool. check them out on Facebook and Instagram. By the way, can't you get uh, you can get me to Dewey on on um, online? What's the best best way to for folks to get it in town? It's all over the place now, right? In the state of Florida, um, but but for folks that just want to get a taste uh, without going to yeah. a place, yeah. what's the best way to do it? It's it's awesome. You can actually go right to our website, VitaDelui dot com, and you plug in your information. I was away on vacation last week. And I sent some up to me. It only took uh, it took about five days from uh, the distributor to get to us, and they ship it beautifully. I had two bottles shipped together. They package it up real nicely, and it comes out real quick. That's awesome. Good stuff. Uh, hey, Mark and uh, Martin, good catching up with you guys. Congratulations on the 94 rating. That beats any Madden rating, especially that Austin ever had, uh, or any radio <laughs> rating that I've ever had. And especially Martin's 40 time. So uh, congratulations. Thanks for being a part of the show. And uh, we're looking forward to the new happy hour horn just as much as you guys are looking forward to uh, uh, launching this in California in September. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for all the local support. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a good one. Great chatting with you. Appreciate you guys. So they'll be out uh, in the parking lot, Lot J. Uh, yeah. I might have to go out there and join them on Friday afternoon. You'll be weighing in yeah, for your yeah, fight. Unfortunately, I can't cancel the fight now because no. Lord knows I want to. They're going to be in the parking lot, Lot J, uh, get a little tequila on. But that 94 rating, that's good for them. That's really awesome. You know, I mean, like, like you mentioned, like, Total Wine um, is a place I, I frequent a lot. Not a lot anymore, but I used to frequent a lot. And a lot of the things that I went off of, of getting, like, a new whiskey or new tequila was the rating. So, like, usually if you go on the website, you check out the ratings, I mean, a lot of them might be like in the lower 90s, uh, a, a bunch of 80s, yeah. yeah but 94. I mean, there's not like there's like a thousand dollar bottles that are like 92s. Yeah, you know, so the fact stuff. that they got yeah 94 is well, really listen, cool. Nobody's consumed more than Coos. Yeah, so Coos can so speak he knows on, about uh, on the behalf. I uh, knew it was a 94 before it got rated. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it was a 99, didn't you? Uh, you know, the one cool thing, people who just kind of jump in the show and and have. have you know, followed us along. I mean, we're more than six months in now. Mm-hmm. But the happy hour horn started like our first week. Yeah. In in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> so we kind of like to like retell the story once in a while for people who just jumped in. Absolutely. But we're at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. You had actually made a run down to like uh, get a sub. I did. Right? Yes. Uh, you know, during the show, I think it was. Yep. And so it was around four o'clock ish. Yeah. And you tell the rest of the story. Yeah, so I go get a sub sandwich because I'm starving. You know, it's just the way I am. Um, I use the company credit card, thankfully. Brent gave me that. <laughs> 
I come back, and as I'm going back... As I get a small... Dumb button, <laughs> dumb button, dumb button. <laughs> because it was taking place in, in a hotel. And as I'm going back to the hotel, a lady's coming out with, like, this giant pole. Uh, and she had, you know, she had the vest, so she was a worker there. So I immediately stopped sprinting, which I probably should have kept on going to get back on the show, but I was intrigued. So the lady brings the stick out. I'm like, what do you, what's that stick for? She goes, oh, honey, check this out. I'm like, okay. So I'm waiting for her to do something, and she literally takes the stick and pulls this horn. And now, mind you, I'm standing right underneath the horn, so I don't know what's going to go <laughs> off or anything. And then she's like, you might want to move a little bit, sugar. I'm like, okay. So I move like a couple feet to the right, and this giant horn goes off, um, almost ruptured my eardrums, I think. But, you know, it goes off for about 20 seconds. It's done, and I'm like... I look at the clock. I'm like, what was that? It's it's like it's like five something at the clock. She goes, oh, that's the happy hour horn. I go, ah, happy hour horn. So I mean, I was excited to hear that. Being from Wisconsin, where happy hour is definitely a thing. So then I kind of ran back to Brenton. Uh, I think it was just me and you, though, yeah, right? It was, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had to tell you the story, man. Yeah, it just so, randomly so we went, occurred. So we started the happy hour horn yeah. at like four o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And then we moved it to five. Yep. But. Uh, we started with like a hockey horn, <laughs> but then the guys from Beat of the Louis, like they were here, they so they they produced a song. Yeah, like that's our song yeah. for the Vita de Louis Happy Hour Award. It's awesome, and, well, and apparently they're in the studio producing another and one. It's crazy that we're getting a new one because you didn't hear last week, Brent. We we're talking about the song. Actually, I'm like, you know what? We've had that song now for maybe three months or so, and I haven't got tired of it yet. I like, like it. every single time it comes on, I'm kind of nodding my head a little bit. So I'm curious to see what the new song's going to so be. So we're got, and we're gonna have to make a decision. I was thinking about this today. Once I got the word, yeah, will we play just the new one oh, or do we man. alternate? Or we might have to do a little contest once or what do you like better? I like it. I like it a lot. These these are big decisions that I don't want to make on the show, Brent. This is this is way beyond my pay grade here. Uh, well, how many decisions will Nick Foles have to make? By the way, he, did he get hosed on the Madden ratings? He's like in the seventies or something, I think. Ooh, those are those are low ratings. Or I feel maybe like. they just knew what he had to work with. There we go. Story is, do the Jags have enough weapons on offense? They report a week from today. Let's talk a little Jags football. Football season on the horizon here in Jacksonville. Talk a little foals in the offense next on ESPN 690. All right, I'm itching for some Jags football. Not really itching, but it's happening. It's here. You know, like next Monday, players report. So they've rookies report, QBs report. Mm -hmm. Uh, they started that a few years ago where the, the QBs can come a little earlier, and yep. I think even the rookies. It's funny. It's like I always say it about the last day of school or the first. It's like everything gets bumped up. Like, can we just report on Wednesday, have training camp practice on Thursday? Nope. Now you got to come on Monday. And so everything's bumped up. Yeah. Like, it just gets earlier and earlier or later and later, depending on, on what we're talking about. Uh, it's never enough. And the players probably say the same thing. It's like, really, do we have to go early? But, uh, Anyway, they report next Monday, and then Thursday will be training camp, and uh, it's here. I mean, bottom line is thir Thursday it's first training camp practice. On the weekend, they'll have padded practices, and, and bam, uh, they'll be in Baltimore for five days yeah. and, and well on their way in the preseason. Uh, so football season is here. Yeah, I had a lot of people over the last couple of weeks, especially this past week, how the Jags going to be? You know, it's Patriot Nation up there, um, but a lot of relatives like, how the Jags, how the Jags, and... You know, the big. How do you answer that question, right? Yeah. What do they think about the Jags this year? Well, I answer it twofold. Well, three. This is what I say. Three things to almost everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, we know the defense is going to be good. How good? We'll see. But the defense is talented. Two, I don't believe they can have as many injuries as they had last year. 
Just, I mean, it, they, they got you have to go out of your way to try to like, hurt people it, to try to get that many injuries. It would yeah. be stunning yeah. if they duplicate that. Uh, you know, listen, now, there have been some teams. I say this about the Chargers. The Chargers, if you go back the last four or five years, they have been decimated by injuries. It's seemingly every year, some big injuries. With top-tier talent, too, yes. it is. And now, These and backup players. volume all the time. Yeah. You know, the Ravens are another team that's been snake-bitten by the injury front. Mm-hmm. But sometimes volume, sometimes star players. So, I mean... Listen, the Jags have lost a, a critical player each of the last two years as well. One of those years they did very well. Allen Robinson went out. Marquise Lee went out. And those were big injuries at the time. And then they just kept piling up last year. So the third thing I say is, well, Nick Foles. And they got an upgrade at QB. There's no way to spin it otherwise. They got an upgrade. Now, how much of an upgrade? How, how good is he going to be? Can he last the whole season? Are they good enough on offense any any way around him? Uh, no, those are unanswered questions. But I can succinctly say they got an upgraded quarterback. They have a Super Bowl MVP. Most people believe, 99 out of 100, believe they have an upgrade uh, at, at the quarterback position. And uh, even had some people say, man, I like, I like Foles better than Wentz. You know, now, I'm not in Philly, but that is a rumbling in Philadelphia, too, uh, that we heard when Foles was signed. That brings us to the question that we ask and a lot of people are asking, do they have enough around them? Mm-hmm. Because it was always the defense of Blake Bortles. If you defended Blake Bortles like I did for a long time, do they have enough? And obviously Leonard Fournette healthy is a very good start. Uh, an offensive line that doesn't go use 16 different players is a good start. On the outside, I think we both we talked about this enough in the offseason. There are question marks. What do they have at wide receiver? What do they have at tight end? Do they have enough? Well, uh, we're not the only ones asking the question. The national guys are, too. Yeah, so with the national guys, we're talking about uh, Bill Barnwell, who's an ESPN, ESPN staff writer, put out his list of um, teams with offensive weapons, ranked them from 32 to 1. And I'm sure, as people have seen around the interwebs, that the Jacksonville Jaguars were ranked dead last in terms of offensive weapons. Now, before people start riding and drinking a lot of fireball and causing a, a commotion, I should preface this by saying that uh, the QB is not in play in this. By offensive weapons, he means running backs, wide receivers. And he also put more of an emphasis on the wide receivers than anything, as he put before um, the article even starts. So coming at number 32 is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Barnwell goes on to say that Nick Foles might have won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, but he'll have way less help on his new team. The Jags' most prominent weapon is running back Leonard Fournette, who hasn't been healthy or productive across his first two pro seasons. Just 35.9% of his carries have improved Jacksonville's chances of scoring by ESPN's expected points model, which ranks 34th amongst 46 back. Whatever, okay, that's just a lot of analytical stuff. Um, also, the Jaguars are a young at wide receiver. There's still reason to hope that the likes of D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, and D.J. Chark will get better with improved quarterback play. But the number one option here, normally... Uh, oh, anomaly is West uh, is Westbrook Chiefs import Chris Conley or the returning Marquise Lee, who's coming off a 2018 ACL tear. Um, they have little help at tight end, including Jeff Swaim and a rookie third rounder Josh Oliver, who will compete with him. Um, Foles will definitely miss Zach Ertz and company. So in 32 in the league. Um, do you agree with it? If you don't throw I mean, the quarterback, you have to dissect every other yeah, team. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, and I can nitpick this apart. Like, for instance, he's got New Orleans at number seven. I think New Orleans probably has the best offense in the league from the standpoint of you have an all-pro running back, you have an all-pro at wide receiver, and you have a pro bowl at tight end. 
to me, that's... And you have an all-pro quarterback. Yeah, and an all-pro quarterback. <laughs> so to me, I mean, that's... Hall of Famer. One would think that, and I get you're not going from last season, but that's a pretty good offense, number seven. But anyways, getting back to Jacksonville. Who was number one on their list? Uh, number one... And if you tell me the Patriots, I'm going to punch you just for... And, um, and, and make pretend you're Bill Bardwell. Okay, uh, okay. Because um, he won't punch back, so make, make sure you know that. Uh, Rams, thank God. Rams, Rams are number one. <laughs> Woo! Dodge the bullet there. Actually, I dodged the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? There would have been retaliation. And, uh, surprising, the Giants are number eight. But okay, so hmm. so getting back to the without Gi- Odell Beckham, without Odell Beckham, because they got Sterling Shepard and they got um they got Golden Tate as well. So I I, I mean I hear you and, and an and, aging Eli well, Manning. And guess who's throwing the ball? Eli Manning. So I understand you can't include the quarterback in this, Brent. But at the same time, the quarterback's going to increase the value of the receiver if the quarterback plays well, a la Tom Brady. If you put the the Patriots wide receivers with a different quarterback. Are they going to be successful like they are with it? No, absolutely not. So from the rankings, I get that we, they didn't include Nick Foles. So if you don't take into account the Foles factor, yeah, yeah. then, I mean, one would think, like, yeah. They're, they're, I don't they're, think they're there's that much gonna, of an argument. Yeah, I mean. I mean, okay, could they be 28th? Sure. 32? I mean, yeah. they're not in the top half of the league. Yeah. And like at 31, you got Denver. At 30, you have Miami. And I'll be honest, I look at Miami's roster, um, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Albert, Albert Wilson. I mean, on paper, stat-wise, they've done a lot more. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, with uh, set aside from Chris Conley, you know, and, like, I get it. D.D. Westbrook has shown flashes last year. D.J. Chark maybe ready to take the next step going forward. Marquise Lee coming off that knee injury. There's a lot of intrigue, but intrigue doesn't win your football game. No, absolutely. You know? So, I mean, I, I'm, I'll be honest. I, I'm not upset if you don't take Foles into account. Now, if you add Foles in the factor, then, yes, I think they should be ranked maybe in, in the mid-20s because I think Foles makes that much of a difference. Here's the thing, though. Where, the, where's the floor to ceiling on this group? And see, that's – they may have one of the biggest gaps when you go Florida. I mean, we're talking about very open living room. And talking to ceilings, like 15-foot ceilings. Very spacious, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they could really – see, because I think they could be good. Now, mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm like the president, founder, owner of the Sunshine and Rainbows Club, so I can spin this in a hurry. Yeah. But I seriously could talk you into saying – I think D.D. Westbrook might be on the verge of taking that next step. I saw a lot of things from him last year when they were a helpless offense that he was the only guy they could go to. I thought it took him too long to get him the ball. And now with this offense and with Foles and, and with Filippo, I could see them doing some fun things with Westbrook. DJ Chark is a huge X factor. You know, Chris Conley, you know what you're getting, at least on the floor. Can he get to the ceiling a little bit more because he has a bigger role in this offense versus what he had in Kansas City where he was kind of a forgotten guy? And, and especially he has to be a leader, too, as well. In Kansas City, he wasn't dependent to be that leader yeah, in the locker room. absolutely. Now they're looking and asking questions. And then there's the Marquise Lee X factor. When does he come back, and when does he come back to form, normal form, and can he stay healthy throughout the year? Mm-hmm. So... Again, I think you could make a case. And what I always say about their offense when it comes to the passing game is there's a lot of ifs. It's if Marquise Lee comes back. It's if D.D. Westbrook takes the next step. If D.J. Chark is better in year two. If Chris Conley elevates to not a three receiver, but maybe a two receiver. He's not going to be a one receiver. Don't get carried away. If Josh Oliver in Filippo's offense, which features tight ends all the time, can have a very successful first year. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking a Pro Bowl year, but I'm mm-hmm. talking a good year. Uh, well, so I think the, those ifs add up to a ceiling that, again, you want a spacious living room just in case. Yeah. 
and, and listen, but Barnwell opened up the article with it, and he talked about Fournette. I mean, Fournette's a big if as Everything well. Everything feeds and, off and, that. And he's probably the biggest if. Um, you saw when they had success back in 2017, it was stemmed directly from Fournette. Blake Bortles played better. The receivers played better because it all started with Leonard Fournette. Uh, and if he can stay healthy, then they got a shot. But if, if he gets hurt again, um, then, yeah, I think 32 is where they belong. Let's be honest. They, they have, you know, Last year, going into the season, you could criticize they didn't bring in enough competition for Blake. They extended Blake. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. This year, before the season begins, okay, the criticism of the front office is they didn't do enough in the draft and free agency to get weapons. Mm -hmm. Tight end, wide receiver. It was a glaring need. And did they do enough? Josh Oliver in the third round. Chris Conley as an added free agent. That's it. There's not much else. So that's the criticism. They are really relying on their scouting and what they see on tape to elevate in those two positions, especially wide receiver, the Sharks, the Westbrooks, the Marquis Lee to be healthy. They are really relying on that. But going into the season, it's a fair criticism of this organization that they did not do enough at tight end and wide receiver. Well, actually, all three positions, too, because that change of pace back as well. You brought in Alfred Blue. You brought in Thomas Rawls. Yeah. But are they really that change of pace back that's really featured now in the NFL? No, they got some depth there and experience. Yeah. Probably better off than they were a year ago. Yeah. But change of pace is a, is a fair question. And they did invest in the fifth round, too, with Armstead as well. Uh, when we come back, a little stay in your lane, 530 on uh, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday. You know what? It was really cool. It's a, um, an interesting um, uh, venue in a good way because it looks great on TV. And this is something that I think is very important for us to do as a company is do shows that look different from what you see every Monday night. And this is a great example of that. Having said that, being outside in that 150-degree heat for five hours was a little long and you could tell from the energy from the crowd from beginning to end but the show was great and uh i really enjoyed the the look of it i think it came across very well from that aspect of it that's the question i had about the show that was jericho right that was jericho yes good call uh, after the game after the game after the event yes uh and at daily's play saturday night fight for the fallen all elite wrestling uh you were there mm-hmm. so many were there good crowd energetic crowd, crowd cool atmosphere uh and you'll have more about that with tony khan and where where the uh inspiration for it came from <laughs> but i asked somebody about the event and they said it was really good but it's a little bit it was a little long yeah Okay, the heat maybe plays a factor in that. But I get a feeling that all these shows are long. Like, you went this, to the one so the, in Vegas. I was in Vegas and I was and in it Daytona was as well. Long. Yes. People talked about, not even all the wrestling, they talked about uh, uh, WrestleMania this year. Oh, yeah. Long. Oh, yeah, WrestleMania is always long. It's always yeah. super long. Yeah. The Daytona one, I don't know if that was long or not. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that was fairly long as well. That was probably looking at about a four-hour uh, runtime. Okay, so I don't get... This like you, the ins and outs like you guys you sure. do, and, and some of the folks that are listening because we just had some some folks asking, have we talked about it yet? Yeah, and we yeah. did talk about it earlier in the show. We'll talk a little bit more about it right now, especially with your stay in the lane. Yeah, stay in your lane. We'll hear from um, Tony Khan uh, and uh, Cody, Rhodes Cody Rhodes coming up in just a minute or two. But I guess why so long? Mm-hmm. Is that bang for your buck? Is there that many storylines? Is there that many people to get in? Is this like a game where like you have to play all fifty three guys? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a preseason game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, why why is it so long? 
Um, I think and is that a problem? No, I think there's a few reasons why. And um, if you want to go back and listen to the interview with Tony Khan, he kind of addresses that a little bit. So this was a pay-per-view, right? And the, you can get that on YouTube, YouTube. a complete interview yep. with uh, Tony Khan. Action Sports, Action Sports Jacks. Jacks. Yeah, so uh, there's a few reasons why I think it went so long. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, sitting in that heat for five-plus hours, that's a that's a long event. Yeah. Um, so a couple reasons. Number one, I think this was their third pay-per-view. This was actually their third event in general. And when you have a group like All Elite Wrestling where you have a few household names like a Chris Jericho, like a Kenny Omega, like the Young Bucks or Cody Rhodes, but you also have a lot of talent that's fairly unknown uh, to the universe. And you have to showcase that talent. You have to tell that story. And while the story may, while the stories may have been told in their YouTube videos with being the leader, you know, like they have a thing called Road to Fight for the Fallen, where some of those wrestlers are showcased, um, people still may not have seen them actually wrestle. So this was an opportunity for a lot of people, especially in the Jacksonville area or watching on Bleach Report at home, uh, to see these wrestlers for the first time. So in order to showcase all these new people, you need some time, right? And um, that had a big thing to do with it. And I think, too, um, going into this, where this was for a great cause, and this is actually my cruise control, um, it was Fight for the Fallen donating $150,000 yep. to gun violence, um, to, to the victims of gun violence. That was the inspiration violence. of this event. That was the inspiration. Uh, if you remember back uh, last year with the Madden tournament, um, that's kind of what sparked the whole thing, you know, because especially with video games and wrestling, it kind of goes hand in hand together. When I was at the event in Daytona, I mean, that it was literally a video game convention and wrestling show so they do go hand in hand um so i think tony khan came in here too wanting to you know being his backyard wanted the most bang for your buck he wanted to put on a great show because this is his home and you think about it i mean his dad put up daily's place for concerts and everything and how cool is it now that his son gets to kind of showcase his talent in uh running a wrestling promotion in a building that his dad built you know basically so i think he wanted to go above and beyond and really showcase everybody so that's another reason as well and a super unique venue a very unique so venue. what did you think of it give us a grade yeah so honestly I'm, I'm gonna give it an a but it had a lot to and i say an a but i mean to me double or nothing was the top right yeah, like the, and that was the, out in vegas that was in vegas i mean that you know that was your traditional show no right? expenses were pulled i mean it was a chance for the first impression you only get one chance to make the first impression uh it was a who's who bret hart was there ddp i mean everybody was at that event um so to me that that stood out to me a lot in daytona at fighter fest i felt like that was a special moment because it probably had the best match i've ever seen watching wrestling in really? person yeah and then that's what i'm talking about the six-man tag match okay yeah. um it was with the lucha brothers versus the young bucks um to me that was probably the best match i've ever seen in person so that really stuck out to me as well plus the debut of john moxley honestly i think fight for the fallen while it did get an a it, it was probably the third best all wrestling show that there was um so far so i mean you know out of three shows though it was still an epic show but i think from the from the standpoint of running a, a long time of a five i think it was like five and a half hour show um, and also maybe storylines weren't really exemplified to the to the point that like Double or Nothing or Fighter Fest was. Still a great show, still a fantastic show. The venue was really cool, but the heat had a lot to do with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot, man. Yeah. I mean, listen, you go to the next, I mean, yesterday, Mary J. Blige performed. Yeah. I'm sure it was hot. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, Dirk Bentley's coming in Thursday. It's hot. It's July yeah. in Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to get, but it's a long day, too. Yeah. Um, but the actual venue, the inspiration was. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so here we have some audio. Uh, Tony Khan kind of talk about the inspiration a little bit of where the venue for like the wrestling setup came from. 
Have you seen any? Who's seen the wrestling episode of South Park? You know, you, you put the ring in the pit. You open up so many possibilities for what you can do with the staging and create more, more not exactly a 360, but more of more of a round experience for an amphitheater. It opens up a lot of different venues, but obviously this is like our home venue, so uh, I'm really happy with it. Uh, I, I, it turned out really well, I think, and it's it's very different. But I think again, we can use similar staging for television. And I think it came off really well from what I saw on TV. Yeah, so basically use South Park as an inspiration of where he set up the ring, um, the exact location of it. And it's like he said later on in that interview, like there was really no bad seat in the house. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. And another funny part was Tony too, tweeted the picture about yeah. it on Twitter. He, uh, Tony Khan tweeted the picture of yeah. South Park, the episode he was inspired by. Yes. And a look, a wide look of, of Daly's place. So I, I thought it looked really cool from just from pictures. And another funny story, too. So the next day, Cody Rhodes had a book signing and I ended up taking my son to, yeah. to do that. Because uh, when I was in Vegas, they actually gave me a free book of, of Cody Rhodes' book for my son. They knew I had a son, and they gave it, which was a really nice gesture. And my son loves the book, and my son loves Cody Rhodes. But um, so I'm standing in line, and actually I talked to a gentleman who was sitting right behind Shad Khan, Doug Marone, and Caldwell. And um, he said the whole time he was noticing like people would walk by him. And didn't recognize him. Really? You know, because I mean, that kind of that kind of goes to show you the crowd, right? Like, yeah. I mean, usually where it's football people, that's pretty funny. Uh, it's all wrestling fans. Like, yes, I mean, obviously, Shad Khan sticks out. Yeah. But uh, I guess it was just Dave Caldwell for a bit. Yeah, that mustache, sitting. man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I guess like uh, Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone were sitting there and nobody recognized him. <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. Walking by. Uh, speaking of Cody Rhodes, you caught up with him? Yeah. So Cody Rhodes, and like, like I said. The, the, the biggest thing to take out and why I gave this event an A, really an A plus, was because of what it meant. You know, a lot of these fighters didn't get paid. Tony Khan didn't make a dollar off this event. This event went towards the victims of gun violence. And here's Cody Rhodes talking about that a little bit. Cody, speaking of special, $150,000 towards gun violence. Can you just kind of take us behind the scenes a little bit with the dialogue of how that actually came about and whose idea was that to donate? Uh, Tony's. 100% Tony's. But then he had folks flank him, Farrah and Farrah, our presenting sponsor. You don't see a lot of sponsors on wrestling anymore, you know? Like, that was cool for them to be such a part of Jacksonville, to put that 25 in. Kenny Omega, just to drop $10,000 in himself. Alex Trebele, who I just can't stand Alex Trebele. <laughs> but now I love him. He's part of this. He can share that locker room with us forever. He had a match, he donated to the cause, and I forgot out there in the interview I was doing to mention that the donations will continue. Uh, the Bucks are going to sell their gear or auction it off. Uh, Moxley's vest is going to go as a vest from Double or Nothing. All these items are going to go up in the next few days to continue the donation. We don't, don't we don't want the donation to stop. It's no secret there was no profit made on the show. None. It, it was it was a loss, I guess you could call it, but it wasn't a loss at all. So yeah, all that money going directly towards the city of Jacksonville, yeah, which is really cool. Pretty good stuff. Uh, all right, yeah. what's next? Uh, now t TNT in the fall. I mean, is that is that the next real big thing that drops for AEW? So late August, I want to say I think it's August 31st is going to be all out in Chicago. And um, once again, I talked about the another Tony stopping grounds, by the way, yes. of the Khan family. Yeah, exactly. And I talked about Tony with this a little bit. Um, and he he denies this, but I think it's a big part. All in was the first. Elite, so it's called being the elite with the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. All in last year in Chicago was the first event that the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes put on together. They're independent at the time. They didn't have a company behind them. Um, Tony Khan was there at All In and kind of saw what happened. Uh, the, the fan reaction, uh, the ticket sales, just the overall wrestling reaction, um, it changed the game. And I think going forward, All Elite Wrestling stemmed from all in so now they're going back for all out uh in late august um you know there are rumors that 
maybe there might be a few more special guests, CM Punk being one of them, being from Chicago. Who, who knows what's going to happen with that? But um, there is a lot of hype around might that come one. Out with a hockey stick. Yeah, if I come out with a hockey stick, you never know. Uh, <laughs> better not be a Cubs jersey. And uh, so, yeah, they got all out. And then right after that, um, it's going to start up with, with their TV thing. And we haven't established yet when exactly what day that's going to be. Uh, that's going to be a telling thing as well. But literally, it's going to be all out and then uh, going to TNT. There you go. So uh, another successful event. And will, will we get another event at Daly's Place, you think? So, yeah, once again, in the interview, yeah, he totally talks about it. Uh, next year will be another event in Daly's Place. Okay. And he actually, he envisions to have the stadium one day yeah. um, well, and be cool. sell it out. Yeah, uh, That's a great vision to have. I yeah. mean, you can go from Daly's Place to the arena to the stadium yeah. or, you know, uh, however it works, uh, and, whatever and, they need. And one thing needs to be said, too, as well, with Tony Khan, I mean, the interview is 30 minutes long that I did with him, and he's super transparent. You know, you, you don't see a lot of owners from, from whatever sport or wrestling be that transparent, but he basically tells it like it is, man, and uh, it, it's pretty cool for him to do that. Again, you can check out the entire interview. Uh, Austin was there Saturday night, and more interviews uh, on our YouTube site, Action Sports Jack, same place you can catch our show every day, Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. right here on ESPN 690. Put a bow on this Monday show. Back to SEC Media Days. Recap the headlines from the Gators and the conference from Birmingham next. Last year was just the momentum that we had going. Uh, you definitely want to go with that same momentum into the start of this coming up season. Uh, but just summer, summer-wise, you want to just continue to build the chemistry. Uh, that you've already created with your teammates. And we have a hard-working group of guys. I mean, the, the O-line goes in there every day. I mean, one of the hardest-working group of guys that I know. Just working to build depth. Um, coaches are always helping out players on, you know, what they need to do and stuff like that. So we've had a good, really good offseason um, from last year. Really good offseason. Just hoping to keep that momentum going into this coming up season. Well, that's Felipe Franks, Florida Gators quarterback, uh, heading into another year. SEC Media Day is kicking off today, and the Gators were on the podium. Uh, Felipe talking, coming off a pretty good season, a turnaround year, a turnaround for his career. And now where does it go for here, from here for the Florida Gators and Felipe Franks? Uh, we will see. Uh, but uh, he was talking, Dan Mullen was talking, a couple other Gator players along with a few other teams uh, here on a Monday in Birmingham. SEC Media Days continues uh, for the next few days and actually gets, uh, well, they drag it out pretty good. That's <laughs> like four days worth, which is probably a shade too long. Uh, Kirby Smart in Georgia will go on Tuesday, so we'll have some uh, reaction from Georgia coming up uh, tomorrow. More Gator talk and more Felipe Franks talk uh, in a moment because I really feel like the evolution of the QB is is about as fascinating as it gets in sports. And he might be a Beautiful example of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we've discussed it. We've talked about it. We've dissected it here in Jacksonville a lot because, well, it's been a topic. I mean, as long as you talk about the evolution of the quarterback, that means the guy hasn't made it. That was Blaine Gabbert. That was Blake Bortles. Uh, Never comfortable that he had found a safe spot. I think this guy, Nick Foles, has found a spot. Can he take it to a next level? Well, that's always a question, unless you're sitting where Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers have sat. But uh, for Felipe Franks in Florida, it'll be obviously a key to their season. But uh, it would be a great story if Franks is able to take it to another level, considering where he was two years ago and maybe even at times uh, a year ago. All right, we didn't get to pump your brakes and stay in your lane. What you got? Yeah, so pump your brakes. Uh, Taylor Pate is a member of the media in, in Houston, and he made the mistake of making a ludicrous declaration on social media. 
Um, when has ever a declaration that you said you're going to do something if something happens, when has it ever gone right? Like, what was in it for him where if it didn't go right and you were correct, you don't really gain anything from that? But unfortunately, Tyler guaranteed that the Rockets wouldn't pursue Russell Westbrook so much that he said if they did sign Russell Westbrook, he would get a tattoo on his face of the MVP stats for, for that year, of uh, Russell Westbrook's MVP year. And needless to say, Russell Westbrook um, went to the Rockets. Uh, so, therefore, a tattoo on that guy's face should happen. He tried to backpack, obviously, saying by the first excuse, well, it's pretty expensive, and I don't have the funds for that right now. Oh, they'll in come up with pa- it. Oh, in which case, cool, check this out. Fans started a GoFundMe page for him and raised the money in no longer than an hour. Then he tried to say that he's getting it under his beard, which technically doesn't really qualify as your face, as fans are telling him now. Once again, Taylor Payton, man, what was – I just uh, I just have a uh, – it just it irks me a little bit, Brent, because there's nothing to gain from this, you know. And now he's got to get the tattoo, or else he's not gonna be credible. And if you're not credible in the the, the sport and in, in the world of sports media, we can't depend on you. So, <laughs> nice yeah. job. See, you got to make the declaration like I did. Yes. Right. If yep, we are number one in ratings. Yep. I have to get a tattoo. Not on your face, though. Not on my face. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, that would hurt the other career. Look like Post Malone yeah. up in here. Yeah, <laughs> that would hurt the career I'm going to uh, in a couple minutes uh, on CBS 47 and Fox 30, and probably a lot of other things, like my <laughs> marriage, marriage and uh, yeah. family. But uh, forget about that 50th anniversary <laughs> plane. Yeah. Don't worry about the stealth bomber. Uh, yeah. uh, but what's in it for us? Well, at least I said. For number one ratings, that's good. Yeah, no, that's great. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so there's some victory there. And it's like not your it's face. Worth a tattoo so and it's, it's like not a double victory. Yeah. So listen, dude in Houston. Yeah. I mean, you got to yep. think this thing out, man. Yeah. Not <laughs> smart. <laughs> not smart whatsoever, especially on social media where you get called out regardless. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, and I kind of have to live up to it, but I don't know if I'd, I'd bet, I think I'd play coward in that I situation. Would, uh, <laughs> I'd go to Enterprise, run a car, and get a new job, I guess, then if, I, if they're hiring, because I'm not going to be in sports media anymore tattooing my face. Uh, Do we hey, know if he's, like, bald or anything? Uh, this is a younger kid. Okay, so, like, get it on the side right here where the hair's going to go uh, over it? That's well, a lot of stats. Oh, I guess that's, is that. Yeah, I guess that could count. I mean, it is a lot of stats. It is a lot of stats in Russell Westbrook is MVP year. And he's banking on never being bald. Yeah. Yeah, but at least he's got some time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and also, when it, unless you're a rapper, when has tattooing your face ever worked out well for anybody? Not any. No. Nah. Just I don't. Know. I mean, I, I don't want to be like a hater here, but. Let's be honest. No, I think that I think the jail rate on the tattoo in the face is pretty high. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I think Unless it's pretty you're on SoundCloud, high. SoundCloud, then yeah, by all means, if you've got a new album on SoundCloud, I'm all for you, man. But uh, just saying, pump your brakes a little bit. Uh, SEC Media Days kick off Florida. One of the stories on Monday in Birmingham, uh, and uh, we've been talking about it a bunch during the show. Felipe Frank, you just heard from him. Uh, hear from the Gators quarterback again. Do we have time? Uh, for a little bit more Felipe Frank schools. Yes, we do. Uh, here he was uh, this afternoon as he heads into a, a very important season. Well, just to take that next step for him and the Gators trying to uh, become nationally relevant once again. Yeah, we don't play often, um, and that's one of the things I think that's making it so special. Two really good in-state teams uh, that I think have became rivals. Um, it's a, it's a fun game. I mean, I, I love playing games. And I said it before, I love playing games that are highly anticipated, that uh, you play a really good team. I mean, University of Miami is a really good team. University of Florida is a really good team. And when teams like that collab and, you know, they, they play, 
um, that's what makes it so awesome. You know, the stage is set for you, and and you have to go out there and perform. And that's the kind of stages I like playing on. So, yeah, it'll be fun one. Felipe Franks talking about the opener August 24th in Orlando, a big one to start the college football season. We'll have that one covered, of course, uh, be all over that as we get closer and closer. But if you think about it, it's really like five weeks away now uh, that Miami and Florida will meet in Orlando to kick off the college football season. You know, you could argue, you'd say, well, there's really nothing to lose for Miami um, in this game, like no pressure on them. Seems like a lot to lose for Florida because yeah. if they lose – that game, it really could change. Like you said, the non-conference is Florida State and Miami, and then a couple of cupcakes. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really everybody thinks Florida is going to win this game. Coming off the Michigan Bowl win, coming off last year, it would really throw a wrench into the expectation. I think for the rest of the way, and and create a lot of curiosity for Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators if Miami is able to stun the Gators in that one. You're not lying, but at the same time, you have to remember last year though, Brent, with the Florida Gators, they take on Kentucky, and Kentucky beats them 27 True. to 16. Rebounded third, nice. third game of the season and rebounded very nicely. So yeah, it is a huge game, obviously Miami in-state rival. But it may not be done in the world if they do lose that game. Well, and by the way, that Kentucky one broke a huge streak in the series, too. They hadn't lost to them in 30 years. So uh, we'll see what happens. A lot more college football talk coming up tomorrow. Georgia Bulldogs take the podium uh, in Birmingham. By the way, big news out of the, the biggest news, the SC Media Days will move to Atlanta next year and Nashville in two years. All right, good to be back in the saddle today for the first time in a couple weeks. I'll tell you this. I'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks for listening here on a Monday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.